From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brain, the show where we joy watch science fiction movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Great Scott, Surrey. Tonight we're talking about the classic Back to the Future. It's the 1985 classic film written by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, who also directed the film. And this is for episode 20 of Space Brains. So consider this your spoiler warning. Yeah, if you haven't seen this film, then we probably shouldn't be calling it a classic, but it is. It's been on TV so many times. Uh, it's one of my favourites. I remember seeing it long ago. Oh, But amazing. go back and watch it, yep. and then you can listen in. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you should just watch this one, really. Come on. Yes, yeah, so I'm a bit surprised if, if you haven't seen it. I mean, I suppose if you're, you know, born in the past 20 years, it's... Yeah, it's a pretty old. It's a pretty old film. It's nine eighty five. Yeah, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, it does make regular appearances on TV. It does. And Pops up, I think, on some of the streaming services and stuff like that. So, as we said, Back to the Future three is on Netflix, not the others, which does put a big question mark over my head on how yeah. they've acquired that one, but not the other two. Who who just watches number three in a trilogy? <laughs> like? I don't know. But then you were saying you kept watching number three on uh, was it Christmas Day or Boxing Day or something. Uh, yeah, Every for, year. A, for a few years there, it was just on TV. Coming so. where my parents would come over and visit, we would find ourselves. There's about three years, four years in a row, where my dad and I would find ourselves watching TV, talking, and it would just be Back to the Future Three would come on. And we're, okay, <laughs> so you just and have it, it going. It sort of became a bit of a tradition there for yeah, a few years. A Christmas tradition. There you go. So, what was your number one takeaway from Back to the Future? Sorry, number one takeaway is that photographs are the ultimate timekeeping device. They are, aren't they? According to it's this It's great. One. Well, see, photographs are also used in many movies for taking photographs of ghosts somehow. Yep. I don't, don't know how ghosts appear on photos better than they appear, I know, to your eyes. Those white orbs. <laughs> yeah, but then also, so to time travellers make use of the photograph to make sure that they're not disappearing. Yes. Which is what I've discovered in here. So if I, when I go through time because uh, I'm sure I will develop a time machine sooner or later. I'm going to use a photo to keep track of everything. Yeah, and I wonder if you took your... The modern-day equivalent would be your mobile phone. Like, would you take your mobile phone and, like... This is the thing. Someone that maybe hasn't seen this this movie that was born in, like, the year 2000 and then, then you know, 19 now, and then they would be like, oh, why is he looking at that photo like that? It should be on a phone. Yeah. Would you take your phone back in time? And Do then, kids then, these days have... Hard printout photos. Really? Maybe just if their nana gives it to them. Yeah, yeah. But my, my mother-in-law, my kid's nana, but would she, you... she prints out photos. I mean, technically, your phone, according to the rules of Back to the Future, if you had your phone, if Marty had a phone on him and he went back in time, it would work. It just wouldn't work as in being able to ring people, but the device would still work. So if you had your photo on the phone, it would still work, wouldn't it? 
Yes. So, yeah. so that would be the modern day version the, of back the to the future. The time travel magic would still, <laughs> yeah. still operate. Well, because the DeLorean is a machine and that travels back in time, still works back in that time. Well, so. it, it <laughs> failed that number of times. It does but, fail. It. But that, yeah, but that's, that's the just, charm of it. That's just realism. Yeah, that is. That is. Yeah. So tell us, what is, roughly speaking, this peculiar time travel movie about? Oh, hang on. You're jumping ahead. What Am about... You know, that oh, I'm... time and time question that we ask every okay. time. Well, that's okay. I can, I can just edit this back yes, you in can. time. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, <laughs> so my number one takeaway is that photographs are great timekeeping devices. But is this a hope, a warning, or an experiment? I'm putting it under a warning because warning. it is essentially uh, a warning about if you mess with time travel, you're guaranteed to change the future. So if you go back and change anything in your life, and this is a conundrum with time travel, isn't it? I'm not sure what you're talking about later with the sciencey stuff, but if you do anything in the past, that it's that ripple effect. It's that butterfly flaps yeah, its wings thing. It's, it's also the know? paradox of that if you go back in the past, then that must have happened. Yes. So how that, could yeah. you change anything? Yeah. But then if you do change something, what yeah, what is the outcome of that? It has to have another change, doesn't it? Who knows? It's, it's, it's the chicken and the egg thing. It turns your brain to spaghetti. It does. But, so, I didn't go that far. I didn't go that deep with this movie. But I did look at just the idea that, you know, Marty goes back and he does mess with the future. And, of course, like you just said, the photo proves that he's messed with the future to the point that his family's disappearing. His existence will disappear. And so he has to kind of fix that. But even though he fixes it there's still ramifications, isn't there, in the future when you yes. go, when, at the end, when he goes back again. So, yes. yeah. So I see that as a warning. Like if you do, when you build your time travel machine, sorry, the yep. warning is you're going to go back, you're going to change everything. Yeah. You're going to change space brain. You're going to change everything. I already have, and I've changed it so that I don't make a time travel machine. Yeah, that's true. Because very true. of the terrible dangers of it. Yeah. I, I reckon, yeah, I'm, I was looking more at hope. Okay. Because the, the theme of this film is, you know, you can do anything, you put your mind to it. Also, the thing is you can change your circumstances. Like uh, Marty does it more or less literally by changing time. Yep. But his dad doesn't change time. His dad is actually living the 1955 timeline. Yeah. And alters his circumstances from being uh, someone who's too meek and gets... Uh, pushed around too much to being someone who is confident and able to hold his own. Yeah. Uh, but he does that on his own through his own epiphanies. Yeah. Uh, so oh, that, that fills me with a bit of hope. Yeah. Well, he does it. Be well, yeah, but again, actually, <laughs> you just cooked my noodle because he does that because Marty changes the past and gives him that sort of push, doesn't he? That he needed. Yeah. He always sort of needed, you know, like, he never he never had it in the first version of the time. Yeah, he ne he never got that got pushed to the point of. Oh God, that's just really that, doing my head in. No return. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just starting to think of everything. Like you know, like he, how Marty gets hit by the car, he saves him. If he hadn't have done that, then he wouldn't. Oh my goodness, it's just well, going to really cook it. It's, yeah, it's the same as the Terminator time travel it conundrum, is, isn't it? Yeah, where, as soon as you start messing with it, who the, knows? The where Terminator it was created from the arm of a Terminator that was sent back in time. Yeah. And then you go, okay, so if... Hang on, that's just new creation, that. <laughs> Who created it in the first place? 
yeah no one it just spontaneously existed <sighs> and because see i recently heard uh dr carl's someone said that question about the chicken and the egg and he said well yeah what it is was two birds and we're talking about birds that are evolutionary from dinosaurs two birds uh got together and they mated and then from there you had a um, genetic mutation mm. which he said like i think he said something like one in every 30 human babies has a genetic mutation so yeah. something changes slightly and it just must have been the magical sense that these this genetic mutation gave birth in that egg to a chicken as we sort of know what a chicken is so to speak dna wise i've, I've, like I've a long version. known the answer the chicken yeah. egg is the egg came first yeah because you don't need a chicken to lay a chicken egg right you need whatever it is ever so slightly different from a chicken but yeah. would not be identified as a chicken yes. lays an egg yeah. and from that comes the thing that is just identifiable as a chicken because yeah. the chickens we have today are quite different from the chickens oh, so, of course of course yeah. uh, 100 years ago Even because we've yeah. been breeding them yeah. yeah and all sorts of stuff we do these days to chickens <laughs> well don't google that no please. do not google that so what have you been up to any time travel apart from the time travel stuff uh, no, I've, I've been, I, I took to editing someone else's book. Oh, that was interesting. okay. Oh. So a Facebook friend yep. just basically put up his hand and said, I've written this book. Uh, it's a self-help book, Guide to Making Friends. And said, would someone like to have a bit of read over and give me some feedback? And I went, well, I'd like to be friends. Yeah. So I, I did that. So that nice, was an interesting nice. insight uh, into a different genre and different type of book. Yep. And uh, I mean, other than that, no, I've, I've been trying to... I've been reading this fantastic book called uh, The Innovator's Dilemma, which is, it's about how uh, disruptive innovations uh, basically overtake markets and bring large established companies um, undone. So did we talk about Blockbuster and Netflix or was that someone else I was talking to? No, we didn't. We haven't talked in any I don't know who I was talking about that, but... That was a, a casing point where where Netflix can't claim Netflix came up with this product uh, of DVD delivery. Yes, and talked to Blockbuster and said, "Hey, do you want to buy us or invest?" And yeah. Blockbuster said, "Well, none of our customers want delivery, and that's such a small fringe thing, and we can't afford to to do it the yeah. way we are set up. It's you've got a losing product." Yeah, yeah. And Netflix went, "Well, for us, it's sort of working." Yeah. And the blockbuster doesn't exist, and Netflix is now one of the biggest entertainment companies <laughs> on the planet. Uh, and so this book sort of addresses well, how yeah, right. how does that sort of thing happen? Yeah. And the same things that he he goes through the, the author uh, Clayton Christensen, he goes through the hard drive industry, the yeah. way the original hard drives, the eight inch drives, and then the five and quarter inch drives. Basically, no one, no company manufacturing eight inch hard drives exists today. Five and quarter inch drives basically killed them. Uh, same thing has happened to five and quarter inch drive. Three and a half inch drives killed them. And uh, the solid state drives are killing hard drives, uh, discs. And, and it's, the same, it's the same pattern repeating every time. And you, these manufacturers, they make huge money. They're making good management yeah, decisions. Yeah. But they're getting toppled by disruptive innovation. And the reason I'm looking at that is because I'm trying to develop Gravity Undone uh, as a as a business model and as a, you know, a sort of a product supply. Yep. So I'm looking, uh, I've got to be one of these 
uh, in some way. You've got to be a disruptor to a disruptor. the market. It's, and the reason for that is because I don't have enough money to be what's known as a sustainer. Yeah, yeah. So if, if someone invested, I don't know, a billion dollars into my company, yeah. then yeah, I could pick up a, a, like Disney is doing with its own streaming yeah. service. Yeah. It's, it's got so much money. It can, act, it can actually just sort of join, to do that. Yeah. join it. Yeah. It's, uh, in my opinion, it's not a great uh, market move, but it's kind of one they have to do. They do. They sort of have to do it in order to maintain their, their autonomy. Yeah. But it's not, it's not a great move. If I had enough investment, I could do the same thing and use that part of that market to get income and do other things. But since I clearly do not have a billion dollars, uh, I've got, I've got a lot less than that. Maybe a billion dollars less than that. <laughs> uh, so I've got to come up with this product which is cheap and relatively easy for me to produce and is interested, interesting to a market that is not a, a target of these large companies because that's how it starts off. They start off targeting customers that Netflix are not interested in, yeah. Disney's not interested in these customers, whatever that is get a bit of a toehold there and use that uh, market basically to improve my product until it basically out, out improves the big guys. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's what happens is at some point, whatever this product that I'm, this business I'm going to have is, is going to become uh, faster and better at developing whatever it is doing than for example, Netflix or Disney or someone else. Even with all their money, they'll try to do it, but their um, accountants will basically look at it and say, that's way too expensive and there's no money in it. Yep. Because they're saying, you'll only make $200,000 a year out of that. And Disney will go, well, I sneeze $200,000. Whereas me, I'm going, I'm making $200,000 a year that's out right. of this. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. woo, yeah, that's, that's, right. that's really cool. Yeah. So I, I'm really cool with it. All the big guys are going, it's too, too little. Yeah. But then there's a tipping point, assuming you've done it right, where suddenly you have this explosive growth and it's too late. But this is, this is why you hear about these companies like Instagram and, and yeah. so forth being yeah. bought out. That's right. Because just as they start hitting that tipping point, there's, there's people in Google and Apple and Amazon yeah, yeah. watching for this. And so yeah. if they see someone starting to hit that tipping point where they're going to shoot ahead and yeah. build a new market, rather than them trying to come up with a competing product, they just say, well, here's $2 billion dollars. Give me yours. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And then they have the the resources and capacity at that point to develop it into something huge. Yeah, that's right. So it's funny. I don't know all the ins and outs of Netflix, but um, the Netflix guys are in Australia right now. And I heard them talk about this on the radio where um, they're they're in Melbourne for the, there's the big media conference happening there, filmmakers and producers, the producers conference. And uh, they... The Netflix guy, the one thing I just wanted to take from that was it was very similar. He said, everyone in the industry turned to us and you're saying blockbuster, or no one would invest in their idea. Yeah. And they just kept going. They were going, well, it is working for us. And you know, within a few years, look what happened. Blockbuster and all that have gone. Like, these huge companies went broke. Yeah. And the market collapsed on them You know, as things changed. But he, his one thing was, and it's a bit cheesy, but his one thing was like, you, you, you never know what idea you've got that could be the next Netflix, could be the next whatever. Mm. Like that's what they just had. They just had an idea and they went with it and they kept going with it and it was a lot of hard work for a long time. 
but they then exploded and that was it. And he was actually saying a lot of young people just don't go for it. They stop themselves you know, with these ideas. Well, and... absolutely, because one of the hard things, and it's pointed out in this book that yeah. I'm reading, which I, is why I find it so fascinating, is, is the reason, uh, one of the reasons that, that big established companies don't do the innovation is because the innovation, the, the disruptive product, is by its nature not fitting within anything you can predict. Yeah. So he's talking about uh, in there the the hard drive uh, market magazine, uh, which is has all of the sales figures and production values and volumes and all that sort, and it makes predictions that go, this type of hard drive is going to make this much in sales yeah. next year and so on. And the, he draws a graph up, so he shows the, the five and a quarter and the eight inch and I think the three and a half. And it, yes, shows what was predicted by this magazine and what the actual was. And it's, you know, almost identical. But then there's the one and a quarter inch drive. And the amount predicted was, you know, little, but the actual amount was, was huge. Yeah. So all the people who were thinking about hard drives had this chain of thought, which was from past and into present. And they can't predict, they go, well, from all we can tell, it's going to be really little. But the problem is that the fact it's a disruptive product means that you, you can't use past to predict it. No, not at all. And yeah. that's why it's, it's very difficult to, to do. So, uh, for example, at the moment, you try and come up with any sort of product, and you ask anyone, uh, how could you do a, a science fiction and fantasy-based entertainment system or, or network or website or whatever on the web? And they'd say, well... I suppose you have a free level which is supported by ads and then people pay premium to get no ads. And like Because that's been the dominant business model now for, uh, for, the, for, the, for the duration of the internet. Yeah. And it's, not, and it's a slight evolution from print and you know, radio and, and video and TV. Mm. But I predict that the next business model that works will not be that. Yeah. But it's really hard to come up with because all you can ever think of is, yeah, yeah, so I get 500,000 people every month coming to, to consume my product. How do I make money off that, enough money off that to keep producing enough content? Advertisers will pay me a stink load to get access to that. Yeah. And, you know, like, and you try and go, no, I'm trying to come up with something better than that because yeah. if that's all you got, you're back to being like a TV channel or something. That's right. Some of the other people are bigger and better at it. So yeah, it's very interesting, interesting Eddie. topic there. Trying to, trying to explore and trying to, uh, uh, what what he says, uh, Clayton. He says uh, that a sustaining technology or an existing market will see a product as a design or a technical problem. It's a matter of performance. Whereas a disruptive technology, to be successful, it's actually a marketing problem. So you have a a product which uh, is delivering DVDs and you think, well, people like to browse walking into a shop. So this has got a deficit. We can't do it. You know, We want to make our shops better. We want to make our organization of our DVDs on the shelves better. Yeah, yeah. We want to have a higher quality of, you know, not VHS, we're going to DVD. Yeah, yeah. You know, these sorts of thoughts. Whereas Netflix is going, well, okay, we've got this service 
uh, it's not that it sucks, is that we've got to find the people who want mail order DVDs. Yeah, that's right. And they did. Yeah. So. That was excellent. So, so there the you rest go. is history. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm looking at. Uh, um, if you want to know more information about that, you can go on to gravityundone.net. Sounds good. Go to the shop over link the world. and books. And I've got a uh, an Amazon link Connector. that will yeah, yeah. affiliate there because uh, it's a fascinating book. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So Marty McFly, 17-year-old boy in 1985. Um, he's in high school and he is accidentally sent 30 years into the past to 1955. Uh, by his good friend Doc in the DeLorean uh, when he's trying to escape some terrorists, some Libyan terrorists. To, to put that in a perspective, they'd be like being sent back to 1990. Yeah. Which, which to, to me, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's like, okay, I don't have my mobile phone or the internet, but... And I've got to admit, sorry, I don't know if you had this, and I think this is me getting a bit older, but watching it this time, it was a bit like 85 to 55... Ah, you know, like it didn't. It, when I was a kid, and I saw, I'm like 1955. Oh my god! Yeah, that's like, like World like, War Two. Yeah, just these finished. people are so different to us. But it, kind of, I had a different perspective this time on that time warp. And you, you just labelled it there. Like it would be like going back. Yeah. So if you're a 17 um, year old today, you're born in 2002. Yeah. And you went back to 1990. So on TV, like instead of uh, who's that fellow uh, that they say that's a... Uh... It would be 1989, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that reruns. Yeah, yeah, yeah the reruns. Yeah, yeah. It'd be Friends. It'd be... <laughs> You'd be watching the one where Joey gets a bracelet or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and you go, oh, this is the one where Joey gets a monkey. Yeah. And they go, well, how do you know that? This this is the new one. It's like, yeah. oh, you know. I've seen a reruns. Whereas me, I'm thinking, you're Friends or maybe it's Seinfeld or something. <laughs> like, And they did have um... the joke, didn't they? Like, he's got... They, it... Yeah, oh, we've got a TV. Of course, go to TV. Uh, we've got two. No one has two yeah. TVs, you know. <laughs> oh, I watched it on my large screen. Yeah. 1990, I watched it on my, my large screen TV. That's right, yeah, yeah. You've got a large <laughs> screen TV? Yeah. That's so expensive. So that that's the overall, uh, you know, pitch of the film. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. It's also written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. And the I was watching a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff of this film and... Bob Gale, where this story came from him, the, the idea is that he visited his parents and he came across his father's yearbook and he had the idea or as a what if, you know, writers have what if ideas. He had the what if of what if you went back to, when you were in high school, you went back to your parents at high school at the same time. Mm. That was his what if. And his dad was something like president of student council or something and he made him really think like, he wasn't president of student council and he thought of the guy that was president of student council for his era and then his dad, be, and he kind of had a real like, oh, that'd be weird. Imagine if you went back as a teenager when mm. your parents were high school students. That was his what if. Really interesting, hey? So that was the original kind of concept that Bob Gale came up with um, and then he kind of put that together with uh, Zemeckis. So how does this film start? Sorry. It starts with click... Yeah, clicking, ticking clocks. Clicking, so symbolic. Clicking tocks. Lots of them. <laughs> ticking of <laughs> clocks. It, well, it's good because those we know tucks. it's called Back to the Future and we know it's going to be time travel time related. Travel. And it starts with lots of clicking tocks. <laughs> ticking, ticking clocks. Yeah, <laughs> move on, move on. Clocks going to tick tock. Yeah, and, and machines, inventions, and the, the automatic uh, dog we, feeding machine. We, we go past like some 
newspaper clippings, and then we see, yeah, like a toast is going up and down, and we, we start Burned. to get the feeling that whoever lives here isn't hasn't isn't been here for there. a while. Yeah, because the, yeah. the toast is burnt; it's been cooked a few times. Yep, the dog food is emptied out into a bowl full of overflowing with dog food. Yeah, and dropped into a can full of, oh, pardon me, full of dog food cans. Yeah, and then the the, the door opens, and in walks. Uh, someone we don't know, actually. We we don't see the face. It's just his no. feet yep. and a school bag and a, and a skateboard. Yep. I remember watching thinking, oh, that skateboard's so cool. Yeah, it was so cool, eh? And he yeah walks in and you're just seeing his hands turning dials and flipping switches and a buzz and a hum goes right up until finally it's revealed as this, this young guy, uh, dare I say a kid, but, you know, he's, he's one of these... One of these uh, indeterminate age clearly young yeah. but he's not like a little kid no no, no. he's a teenager but, like, yeah like i think a teenager it's one of these he's an american yeah teenager. he's an american how teenage old was kid. how old was uh old michael j fox i believe he was 22 but that yeah. that's fine for my yeah he was he was a, he was a youthful yeah and he's got a guitar it's a cute little travel guitar <laughs> Which I never noticed before. Oh, no. I only remember the guitar at the end, but this little yeah. one, it's just got little body, so it's like a full-size neck, but it's got little body, so it's a, it's a travel. You yeah. know, it's something you can put in a, a backpack. For yep. And then he strums it, and it goes, blam, this huge speaker explodes out, and yeah. he gets thrown across the room, and it <laughs> all falls down. And that's kind of that's kind of a little, little introduction. This is not a terribly serious movie. Yeah, and, comedy involved. And the main character here is... Uh, in a rock and roll, yep. clearly. Yep. Likes his, his guitar loud. And then a big alarm goes off. It's actually the phone ringing. Yep. And there's a an exasperated or, a, or an excited sounding guy on the other end. Marty, Marty, <laughs> you've got to come meet me at 1.15 in the morning at the Twin Pines Mall. <laughs> Something to that effect. And uh, Yeah, he does. Yeah, he goes, yeah, yeah, okay. We have the beautiful... As Doc. He yeah, says, doc. yeah, Doc. Yeah, Doc, yeah. But we've got this great thing when the alarm goes off, it's 8 o'clock and everything is, yeah. oh, is that all my clocks? Oh, my experiments worked. They're all exactly 25 minutes slow. <laughs> and, of course, Marty realizes Marty, he's late for yeah. school. He's late for school. Which uh, I, I did find that very funny. That uh, And this... from there we have, yes, yeah, so and Marty rushes off, skateboarding, Walkman, and really the way to describe it, it's like, an array of American culture on display. You know, like, yeah. it is so 1980s, but it's like, this is American to the tilt, you know, and you've got to yep. kind of love it. Like, they, they embrace it. You know, like, this dude, Marty, he's, he's full-blown. Like, he's on the skateboard, he rolls down, he's got the walk, he's got the jacket, he's got the shoes. This is just consumer culture, you know, at its best. And he skateboards down, and what does he do? It's he grabs onto the, the, of the and truck, all, and you know? all the, the, the and there's Burger the... King, and there's just you know, it's in your face American Goes past culture. The uh, aerobic session where yeah. they all got the leg warmers on, yes, and the, the yeah. leotards and things. Um, and even like one of the because he swaps cars, <laughs> uh, and he, he you know like then the the one guy's like like looks around, and he's kind of like awkwardly like smiles at him, you know. So he's telling us something about Marty. He's rebellious, you know. He's yeah. a, you know, he, always, he he freaked out about running late for school. He's a bit like, cheeky. Uh, he's a bit cheeky. Um, and when he gets to school, he runs into cute little teenage girl Jennifer, who warns him, you know, oh, you're late again. So again, you it's know, like he's a rebel. Time. It's going to be your fourth time. And if Strickland, the principal, oh. sees him, he's uh, going to be in trouble. 
Yeah, so, well, he, he sneaks around the corner with his girlfriend and they, they get cornered by Strickland. Strickland. <laughs> he's, he's hard and, and quite intense. Yeah, he's a ball You're man. a slacker just like your father yeah, was a you're slacker. Yeah, lazy. And I, I don't know if that's... And your work, he, he says a line like, you amount to nothing just like your father. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's trying... Is, is that supposed to be some sort of reverse psychology to encourage him? I don't him, think or? so. I think the idea in this film is, or, that, is that he's just, just fucking nasty. You know? Is like, that just to crush your student's spirit? Yes. <laughs> he doesn't look like a nice principal. Yeah. He's, he's not doing this for you know educational objectives here. Like He no. is just a nasty... Well, the school also looks a little bit run down. It's, it does. It's got sort of yeah. scratched on paint and, and some graffiti in places. And I really noticed like, that scene where him and Jennifer walk down Strickland... And it comes up and catches them. Like the school is huge, and there's no one there. Like, there's, and I know they're all supposed to be in school, but you know, it's a real school, isn't it? Like, it's huge. Like, it's a big hallway, a real mm. empty hallway. Um, and again, Marty's like, you know, arm around Jennifer's shoulder. He's casually, you know, fourth warning. Who cares? You know. It's too cool. But I've got to say, don't you just Although love... he did care a fair bit because he went yeah. charging off to school as fast as he could. He did, I know. So there's a bit, you know, but, you know, maybe he's getting there for Jennifer more. But I love how Strickland, like, he gets right in his face. Like, he touches his nose. Yeah, nose to nose. <laughs> nose to nose. You know, and that's what I mean. Like, I don't think Strickland is like, you know, this isn't good teaching 101. This is like, he's in your face. You he's know, it's the hard ass, you know. Um, and it's a nice touch that he's basically saying, you're going to be like your dad who's a loser, you know. Uh, it's fantastic. He lets us know that he's going to um, be uh, trying out for the band. Uh, for oh, well, the Strickland ball, tells him, ball. you'll never get into this dance. Yeah. Is this a dance thing? Yeah, dance. Play at the dance or something, but then it's Battle of the Bands we cut to. Yeah, but they are battling to get to play at the dance. Oh, okay. Is that yeah, what it was? that's what it was, yeah, yes. Okay, that makes yeah. Sense. So he and his band, and there's a good little bit of comedy there, isn't there? That like he kind of walks up to a bunch of real 1980s looking band, like they've all got long hair yeah. and the jackets, but he walks past them, and then it's then it's his band. You yeah. know what I mean? And they're called the Pinheads. You know, of all things. That's that's quite a peculiar thing, considering he's into Huey Lewis and the News and Van Halen. But that's what I was going to say. Then he just he starts rocking out Huey. You know, yeah, he's and, doing the guitar solo. Oh god! Like, and that's the thing in this movie that it just really blew my mind watching it again this time. But yeah, Huey, he's blasts out, um, power, of love. power of love. Yeah, thank you. And he's blasting that out, and he, they stop him too loud. Yeah, you're too loud too for the nineteen eighties. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, so he's kicked off, and he's not going to be amount to anything. Yeah, so he. he... Leaves there with uh, Jennifer, who yeah. encourages him and says, no, no, they just, they just not have your taste. You know, you should put your demo tape in, though. And we have a little scene where he, he says, you know, oh, what if I don't like it? What yeah. if it's crap? Or maybe I shouldn't do it. I just don't think I could take that sort of rejection. Yeah. And this is a part of the, the brilliant writing as it's it reflected it later. But, you know, just can't take that sort of rejection. And Jennifer's like, oh, well, you know, may, maybe. Well, she says, oh, you can do anything you put mind to yeah, it. Yeah, I think she, so, yeah. Yeah, she says it, yeah. yeah. She says, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And it, he actually jokes, he goes, oh, geez, I'm sounding like my dad. Yeah, sounds like my know, like, dad. So he's kind of realising he's got the same negative attitude mm. about, you know, his creativity and maybe he's come from his dad, you know? And so he's like, oh, oh. But he's but he's not jumping out there to do it either. No, well, yeah. this is this is before and that's, Act Two, oh, so so good writing that I reckon. So this this is where we're presented with his flaws and, and something that he's got to get over. The theme 
sort of stated, uh, as Blake Snyder would say. And, um... and we have a wonderful interaction then where they're sitting on the bench and then they're about to get closer. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, the, it's, like, it's like Marty, he's, he's pulling some moves here a bit, isn't yeah, he? He's, he's kind of yeah, pulling he keep, her in a bit. He keeps sort of putting his hand on yeah. her waist and, and she's like pushing him back. And yeah, and he's saying, well, we're going up to the lake tonight. Yeah. <laughs> or tomorrow, uh, late tonight? Tomorrow. Or tomorrow night. Tomorrow 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 yeah. yeah, that's right. But then the, the charity collector shoves a, a rattle <laughs> jar in front of their face and goes, Save, Save the clock, clock down. Save the clock down. And you're sort of confronted with this woman saying, it was 30 years ago yeah. tonight that the clock tower went down or, yeah, or yeah. on Saturday and where it was. And, and the thing is, it's behind them. Yeah, you the know, clock like it's in the background them. of them and it's, it's a burnt out uh, clock tower. She know? hands them a, a piece, pamphlet, piece pamphlet about it. Yep. And then he puts a, puts a quarter in and says, there you go, there's a quarter off your patron. She goes off. They're about to, finally he's about to get his kiss. Yeah. And then dad turns up. Bloody Jennifer's dad. dad turns up and goes, yeah. Jennifer, come on, <laughs> get out of here. Uh. Enough of the kissing of the boys. <laughs> well, he didn't seem too bad about that, actually. No, he, he just he... sort of was like, mur, mur, get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can imagine I'd be the same. It's just sort of like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here for another 10 minutes while you smooch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm not smooching anyone. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you wouldn't mother... like it if I, if you had to hang around while I kissed mum. Yeah, me and your mother don't smooch anymore. Get in the bloody car. Yeah. Come on, don't be late. Yeah, and so, uh, so Marty's well, peeved off. Yes, but she writes down and says, oh, I'm not at home, I'm at yeah. grandma's. Grandma's. And, and this is another bit of wonderful writing here because then she writes, I love you and the phone yeah. number. Yep. And thus he keeps the pamphlet because now this is an important relic for him. And, uh, and can I just say, in so many of these 1980s American movies, the pamphlets are, I've always felt they're like this weird tangible bit of paper. Mm. Like it's it's almost like they're plastic paper or something. I don't know. Maybe it's an American thing. I've, I've never known paper to look like. I feel like I've seen it in a lot of Nineteen Goonies and and horror movies. You know, like it's that like they, paper strewn across the street. It's they might been have like, a special Hollywood. Maybe paper. it's a prop paper, and that's the thing. But it's just always like it's like that paper never looks like that. <laughs> anyway, that's just my little side note. Me well, there the are there are a lot of things that they use in Hollywood yeah. films that aren't. Ordinary varieties. That's right, because, yeah. because to make it yeah, like, look better. Like yeah. tissues, for example, in Hollywood movies have to be a little bit firmer and yeah. thicker because the normal tissues are so drapey and, and you know there's too many troubles trying to get them to look right. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so he... Yeah, that's pops, how you make a Hollywood movie, kids. He pops this... Yeah, well, that one said Monty Python. Well, we found that strapping a whole bunch of cats... No, that's uh, Simpsons. Yeah. Well, strapping a whole bunch of cats here looks more like a horse. <laughs> What do you do for horses? Oh, we usually paint cows. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. So he, so he rocks up to his home now on his yeah, skateboard, he gets, gets and it's, he goes into the entrance, and it's the Lion Estates, and it's worn down. Oh, and there's I think graffiti, there's graffiti. Yeah. Uh, and it looks dark and dingy, and not too doesn't there's, too invite. And there's a tow truck pulling yeah, a, pulling a into trashed his, car into, into his, his house. house. So he lives in the Bogan suburb, and he's so disappointed town. because. That's obviously the car he's going to take. Yeah, uh, Jennifer on this, this big night out. Yeah, and he he ba- he basically walks into the house with this car- this big burly guy Biff yelling at his dad that it wasn't his fault. Mm. In fact, but he kind of in a very comedic way is letting us know that it, it was his. Fault. Uh, he was drink driving. <laughs> he was drink driving. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to be paying for it. Uh, it's all up to oh, his in, insurance. Uh, in fact, who's going to who's going to get the beer out of his shirt that he spilled right. when he got hit? You know, <laughs> and it's a good introduction to Biff and, of course, 
Oh, um, that terrible uh, laugh that his dad has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he hunches over yeah, and everything. You know, it's so, so thing. And he does the he does does it for the first time, which is so innocuous in this moment. But when you've watched this film a lot, and when you've seen the sequels as well, like he does that whole "Hello, me fly, hello, me fly, me fly," and rubs his head like gives him a crusty. Oh, I love that. That, that was so. Um, 80s. And it's basically like Biff is bullying him like they're kids in high school. Yeah. You know, it literally is. He's, he says to him, are you going to do the, you know, my homework for work? And I'm, I sleep in on a Saturday morning. And you're going like, to do these reports. What if they're yeah. written in your hand? I'll yeah. get them retyped. Yeah, get it, yeah. What are you thinking, McFly? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you want me to get fired? Yeah. So it's very, it's actually a very high school kind of conversation. That's what I picked up on this one. I also uh, looked at it and I thought, that must be so traumatic for Marty yeah. to watch his dad being actively and physically bullied yeah. in his house and then unable to do anything like mm. uh that would that would really mess a person up I it reckon. would it would uh i'm not surprised that sort of marty has a few you know chips on his shoulder yeah and marty sort of he he, he stands there as biff comes up to him and again this is like a character trait that marty stands up a bit more for himself, mm. you know, and, and he, he doesn't, you know, Biff is like, what, you know, like, what are you looking at? I think yeah, Marty stands up like, and kind of pushes back a bit, but doesn't know where to go from there. Yeah, it doesn't And really, he does that throughout this film yeah. where he, he, he grabs Biff and says, you know, get away from there. Yeah. And then Biff sort of stands up and looks down at him and he kind of, Marty kind of goes, uh, now what do I do, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, and Biff leaves, you know, to that tragedy and we, he sits down at the dinner table and he's, he's got his brother and it looks like his brother works in fast food or something yeah, like he's, that. Yeah, he's got one of those funny um, McDonald's style yeah, hats. Yeah, sort of one of those uniforms. Bright red yeah. uniforms. And his sister's, um, oh, what's she doing in that bit? She's, she's a massive in, shoulder patch. Shoulder, she's very 80s. Um, like and, massive, comically big, I think. Yeah, right? and, and his mum, Lorraine, is kind of, she's a bit overweight and she's, and she's drinking. Drinking and smoking heavy. heavily. Yeah. Um, and they also talk, they talk about, um, and dad is ignoring them and doing that laugh for some old TV show, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember now. I can't remember um, what the Jackie Gleason. Yeah. Yeah, that's what um, it was. Oh, it's Jackie. Jackie Gleason is a classic. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> but Whenever an awkward question, you know, what are you going to do about this? Yeah. He just sort of he looks up and looks back down yeah. at his work at, well, at Biff's report, I guess. Yes. Uh, and yeah. they reveal that the uncle is in jail. Uncle Joey. Uh, you know, Lorraine's sister is in jail. Lorraine's brother. Um, brother, sorry. Brother, brother, brother. And uh, also that um, she kind of has a romantic reminisce moment, Lorraine, doesn't she? Mm. And she talks about meeting George, the father, and how they sort of fell in love that George got hit by Grandpa. And if that had never happened, we probably never would have fell in love. Yeah. And she was also all about... Um... Oh, back in my day, I didn't go parking with boys yes. or calling or she chasing doesn't like boys. Jennifer. And, yeah, yeah, it's no good. Yeah, and George is, as we said, this horrible laugh, and he's distracted. Yeah, what were you team. doing there, George? You're bird watching, and he looks up for a moment and sort of freezes, <laughs> and then looks back away and does his little laugh. <laughs> does and, his little laugh? Yeah. So you realize, you realize at that point, probably not bird watching. Mm. And so Marty, you know, this is one of these weird things, Marty. He's asleep. He he awkwardly sleeps. Yeah, yeah. He was. <laughs> it looked like because he was in his clothes. It looked yeah. like he just basically passed, passed out. out. Yeah. So you can imagine maybe he was 
up as late as he could before he just got tired. Yeah, just passed out. This is what teenagers do. And he realises he has to rush to meet... Uh, no, Doc calls, doesn't Doc he? Calls. Doc calls. And he has to get to the mall and he... Marty, you haven't forgotten, have you? You're meeting me. So he um, flo- flows down to where the twin... What's it called? Twin Pines, twin Pines mall. mall. And there he finds a oh, uh, Doc. This was the, the Peabody farm, was it? Yeah. Where he... He wanted to mate pines. Yes. Breed pines, breed it pines. was. Which, I don't think that's the right term for it. No, I don't I think, think so propagate either. is what you do with plants. But that's want... too big of a word for a Hollywood movie. Come on. He wanted to breed pines. Yeah. <laughs> so he meets Doc at the mall and um, Doc... Low... I mean, and Doc is a crazy guy. looking Crazy looking scientist, isn't he? You know, he's, he's older. He's an older man. A classic mad scientist with mad his scientist hair out like, everywhere. Yeah. and Yeah. He, the way he's talking excitedly and... Uh, in snatches and fragments, yes, which don't necessarily join up or answer questions. Yeah. So Marty says, "What are you doing?" And he just kind of talks on about something else. Yeah, we don't actually get any insight here how Marty and Doc how they got came a relationship. To yeah, be together. And do you know what? Really, I thought about that after watching it, and I mean, doesn't matter. Do we need to know? I always imagined, like, <laughs> from when I watched this back when I was a youngster, I always imagined Doc was actually worked at the school maybe as a science yeah. teacher or yeah. something. And, or maybe Marty sort of bumped into him while he was doing an experiment in the field while Marty was probably trying to get away from a shitty home life. Uh, but clearly Doc had the amplifier and was... I think building an amplifier was for a guitar. Because yeah. he warned him and said, oh, yeah, don't use it, the, the amplifier's a bit... Fritz. Yeah, but but this does tell us. Um, I think this is a bit of a time point of the movie because, again, in the nineteen eighties, it was kind of okay for kids to roam streets and do their own thing and maybe and hang talk out with to, weird old like, men. The weird old men. I mean, because you can take movies like Dennis the Menace and stuff, you know, like where and stories like that, where the boy like harked onto the other old man down the street, and that was fine. That was mm. okay. It was okay they had a relationship. Whereas. Yeah, unfortunately, these days we would probably go. Why are they together so much? Like, is you know, okay because like... one of the one of the red flags that you hear is is when it's the grown up who wants to play with kids. Yeah, yeah. As in, if it's the kids that want to play with the grown, but in Dennis the Menace, clearly <laughs> the old man wanted nothing to do no. with the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So anyway, that, but I think there was. It probably says something about the it, time of the film. And it the is story interesting because it is. You know, I, I don't ever remember questioning that. No, I never remember questioning um, that. I, I guess maybe Doc Brown was a bit more of a father figure to him yeah. than his father was. And I guess that's the thing. Like he is the absent-minded, uh, absent-minded professor, mm. and he's crazy. He, in his own way, he's, he's so invested in the science. Um, he's so he's not interested in any of those other things. You know, straight away, this character is not dodgy, don't you? Like. Well, it, you can tell because of all the clocks and yeah. the mechanical bits and pieces. <laughs> he's, that's he's, his passion. That's his passion. He's not interested. In he doesn't have one of those weird spider boards with <laughs> pins with yeah red yeah. string connecting. Yeah. He's dots purely and... innocent, Doc. Um, yeah. And it's an interesting tidbit that when they auditioned for the role, um, they said that Christopher Lloyd walked in and they just knew straight away. Like they were auditioning a whole bunch of actors, and they just knew straight away he was Doc. Um, and his approach to Doc was. He, he came in as a boxer. Um, he wanted to act all out in front of himself. So he'd be... It, the projection of him as a character was not just like him acting a scene, maybe as the script detected, but it was that he would be out here like a boxer. Like everything would be in front of him with his hands and mm. all this sort of stuff. 
but they, they, Robert Zemeckis just sort of said, like, when he, Christopher Lloyd walked in being Doc, they were like, he's Doc. Like, there's no okay. question. He's hired. We're hiring him, you know? Um, and so that's a little tidbit for Doc. And he does, I mean, he's so good. He's so good in this. Doc is great, isn't he? You love him. Oh, yeah. I oh, know. No where, where he has those little, you know, he'll say, why is everything heavy? <laughs> and then he sort of looks at his eyes, roll around yeah, a bit, yeah. because of course. Something to do with the gravitational field. <laughs> <laughs> He's so like uh, visceral, isn't he? You know, like, yeah. and and no wonder I didn't know that. I watched that again in that bit after uh, the making of after thing. That yeah, like he does act in front of him. His body is an extension of the role, and it, it's really out there. You know, like he's a clown, he's a boxer, he's an entertainer, but he's a scientist. You know, but it's all animation in front of him. You and know? exactly how many times in this film does Marty fall over? Almost every scene, yeah, he trips he, and falls at least once. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny, isn't it? As because Martin you never thought, like, you would kind of almost pick that up as being a bit, uh, you know, like uncoordinated, wouldn't you? You know, yeah. but he's not like that as a character. No, I think it's his his enthusiasm as a character. <laughs> um, so, so they the doc lowers down this, opens up the truck. Oh, and there's a big oh. reveal of a smoke and. Yeah. And a. Yeah. And you, you know, it's, this thing's lowering down, and it is a DeLorean. DeLorean, yes, which which is impressive on its own. I mean, come on, people. But we only know DeLorean from this movie. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Well, I think we do. I mean, it was a car in America. Yeah, like, I don't, but I mean, it was, as a kid, I never thought. I never saw. I never seen this car in reality. They've made very few. Mm. It's a sad story. So, and apparently they had, they bought three for the movie and ripped them apart to make the one. So they ripped up the three that were ever made or whatever. Um, uh, they, went, they went through, in the, the trilogy, they went through six. Yeah. They, yeah they, for this movie, they went, yeah. They, they destroyed three. one yep. in number three. At the end yep. of three, where it goes off the cliff. Yeah. That's actually a, a DeLorean being destroyed. <laughs> so they made them rarer because of this movie. They made them more wanted and then rarer. Yeah, a good good job there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, they, it, it rolls on out and Doc explains that he has created a time machine. He loads his dog into it, which is kind of a bit callous almost. Yeah. Except when you see, and, and this is the saving grace where you realise Doc isn't callous because he drives the car directly towards himself. <laughs> yeah. So confident is he that at 88 miles per hour and that his calculations will indicate that maybe a metre before him, yeah. it will hit 88 miles per hour and, yeah. and jump through time. So that's when you realise he's, he's not actually kind of being mean and testing on a dog. He was doing that as a demonstration for Marty because mm. they needed a third party. It's like he's showing Marty. Yeah, that it he can't jump in and do yeah. it because then Marty will be left there for a minute going, what, what, what the hell's going on? Just killed Doc and he'd wander <laughs> yeah. off. And it's uh, there's a great line there because he says... When this hits 88 kilometers per hour, you're wow. going to see some serious shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the car's coming towards It them. is 88 miles. 88 miles per hour. Sorry, yeah, not kilometers. You are exactly right, yeah. I actually, when I, fir- when I first uh, watched this just the other day, I was like, did he say kilometers or did he say miles like in that first scene? And I was thinking, I wonder if he said kilometers because that's actually the scientifically... You know, correct yeah, thing, design, but the yeah. you know because the Americans do miles, so it's like that is actually kilometers are more. And I was like, oh, they, have they been smart enough to think he would talk in kilometers? But then later in the movie, it's miles. 
Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> the car hits 88 miles per hour, sparks fly, and it disappears, uh, leaving behind only these awesome flaming tires, yeah. lines, and of the spinning n- number plate. That's ging, right. Ging, ging, at a time. Why, why would the lumber plate come off like that? That's, it's a cool visual effect. And isn't it a like, nice touch that Doc Brown, he actually got the lies, the um, vanity plate out of time for yeah. his time machine? Like, <laughs> like, really? Yes. I know, really? Like, really would the Doc go to that much effort? Like, you know? But he does also say to us, look, I figure... You know what? This minute is one of those... I didn't... It, it was so good in this... In the way they shot it and they put it together... I didn't realise, but I've said before, this is really the Pope in the pool scene again because in that minute that Einstein yeah. is over, he explains it all. Do yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Like says... Within a minute, he explains everything about how it works um, and there's a clever, cool line in there as well that he's like, well, I figure if we're going to do time travel, we might as well do it in style. Yeah. You know, like why have I picked that car? You know, like it just kind of explains everything that an audience member go, yeah, but what, what, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I'm along with that, I get it. And then he pulls out the, the plutonium. Yeah, the plutonium. He says, oh, no, it's, it's electric, but yep. you need, you need plutonium, you need something a bit more kick. Yes. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> so, so in goes the plutonium, and then we get that, that, that again, it's that exposition where he's standing at the case, about again, he goes, oh. What am I doing? I almost went in without more plutonium. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a one-way trip. Yeah, so explaining to us that yeah. you need it to get back. Yeah. And that's when the Libyan terrorists <laughs> turn up. The Libyans. Well, Those the thing is, I, Libyans. I do remember back in the 80s, Libya was the big deal. Yeah. Like they, were, they were the ones who were supposed to be responsible for the... Um, was it 1984 bombing of the, the airplane over... Scotland or wherever it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they were they were like the they were one of the bad guys back they, in the day. They were the bad guys, and they come around in a Volkswagen. I mean, yeah, come I just, on, people. Mm, I just found that a bit peculiar. <laughs> I think that's a bit stereotypical. It's like a not an American car, you know. Like it's, yeah. this is a European car, and they come in here and they're shooting, and it enables them to shoot from the top. And well, yeah, because they could have a do, slow moving car. Like it wouldn't be as they fast. They could have as chosen a Jeep. Yeah, because that would likewise have an open top and would yeah. be. Sort of rugged, I guess. But it'd be American, so... Yeah, so the Libyans turn up in their Volkswagen, as as they do. It's a camper van. Yeah. It's got the roof slid open. Uh, They corner Doc Brown, and they shoot him. Yes. Which is quite harsh. It is very harsh, yeah. But, you know... He gets shot. He did steal plutonium from terrorists who were going to blow stuff up. So I'm guessing they don't have any problem shooting people. Yeah, and they turn their attentions to Marty. So he jumps in the DeLorean and takes off and they give chase uh, and they're tearing around the car park and then they pull out a bazooka. Yeah. So 80s. I know, that was... <laughs> Just the bazooka on the, you know, the shoulder. Um, and so he takes off and, of course, because, um, in t- you know, Doc had sort of said to us about the time machine rules, he'd set it up that it was going to go back to 1955. Yeah, the day I slipped on the toilet bowl yeah. and hit my head and thought, and about thought of the flux yeah. capacitor. So yes. I invented time. So travel. I'm going to go back and watch that again or something? Well, it was just, it was, first one was, you know, you go back see Christ, December 25-0. I'm pretty sure, even if there was a person called <laughs> Jesus, yeah. December 25, year no. zero. I think that's been already disproven. Anywhere anyway. near his birthday. Yeah. That it was, works, but it works. It was, it was, yeah. But as a physical sense, it's an example he's using. There, but him and his absent-mindedness was like, oh, you can go to Christ, and you can. I think what was the other thing? The oh, November five, nineteen fifty-five. The 
That, yeah, it was a pivotal moment in science. And then he yeah. sort of goes a bit dreaming. Goes, yeah. That's when I invented the time travel, you know. Like, yeah, the flux capacitor. Which conveniently is also just a week before the bell, the clock tower gets struck. He does. So he, and it's a great bit of visual storytelling because as Marty is being chased by the guy, the Libyans and the bazooka, he, hit, of course, hits 88 miles per hour We've got a and couple disappears. False, false positives, though. Yeah. Where it was going up, he shifts up, it goes up, goes up. We did. runs out of room, and he has yeah. to turn. He goes, turns the car, yeah. Because yeah. everyone watching is waiting for him to go to yeah. 88 miles. Because we know that's that's where the story that's the starts. Yeah. That's that's what we know is we're going, okay, yeah. we know this about time travel. Okay, here's the time travel device, and here's the rules of how it works. Yeah. Now make it work. Yeah. And we want so, to see what happens. I, th- I think there's twice where yeah, he got he gets close. closer and closer and yeah. closer and then it slows down. Yeah. And so you're sitting there just going, just bloody hit out of But it's good edge of, edge of the seat stuff because these guys are chasing and his car's going fast. He says a couple of false dawns and then, you know, he's hitting, he's getting closer and closer and closer and they're like loading the bazooka and they, you know, about to fire it. And, um, and he's also about to hit this like uh, film... Box, film processing box. Film processing box in the middle of the car park. Uh, these days it'd be like for, a muzz buzz. For all the um, kids who are unsure of what a film processing place is, it's where you used to take your camera yeah. and you'd leave your film for a few hours mm. whilst they put it through a chemical treatment to get <laughs> that doesn't, It doesn't basically explain it to a generation <laughs> that's 19 right now. Uh, anyway, and so he... But it, I love this because it's just like instantly he... You know, we go back... He's, he's then in a farmer's field. Oh, yeah. And he's like tearing through, you know, Lightning he hits a, hits a um, scarecrow. Yeah, scarecrow and, and of course, we don't see what happened back in 1985. You know, we're just now, it's just instant. We're in, you know, we're in this farm yeah, the, field the, and all this sort of stuff. Well, that's because we were with the camera that was inside the car. Inside the car, yeah, which is great. I think that's a really good visual um, metaphor. So he um, crashes, you know, he's, he's, he's like, ah, you know, and he's tearing through this farmyard and he hits a, a, a barn. And he kind of crashes into that. Yep, smoke pouring out everywhere, yep. and the Peabody Farm uh, family come they all in like and they, they open the barn door and they pa, look in and they pa, see this. What's that, Pa? <laughs> it looks like a, a airplane with no wings. Yeah, and the young boy says that ain't no airplane. Yeah, he holds up his holds comic up his book, comic yeah. book, and it's it's like an alien ship that looks like the DeLorean, and of course. The DeLorean doors open upwards. Yeah, there's going doors. And Marty in his radioactive suit hops out and they're like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> the farmer attacks with a shotgun, as all farmers have shotguns. And uh, he gets uh, back in the car and fl- fangs it out of there. Yeah, just shoots on out of there. And gets back to Lion Estates. Yeah. Which is old neighbourhood, but it's it's still farms. That they, the gates... Are just there, just and there's like built. some earth moving equipment just yeah. at the start, but it's still farm field. Yeah, so it looks like they're just starting to make to this develop estate. this area. Yeah, and yeah. he gets there and he stops and goes, "Ah, oh, okay, I can't go home." It's starting to dawn on him that it's 1955. Yeah, I think well, he was I, still quite confused. Yeah, about it's it all. it's yeah. dawning on him though that he's he's not in Kansas yeah. anymore. There's something weird where and he, he is. Goes to start the car up again. And it, it won't start. Yeah, this is the first time the DeLorean... Ev- evidently, the, the first uh, lot of DeLoreans were quite prone to... Not start. Not, not working. <laughs> but in this case, I think it, the flux capacitor kind of turns off. And to be fair, like... he did just travel 30 years through yeah. time. I mean, You've got on. to expect there's going to be a bit of wear and tear on the yeah. old engine. I know. And so he wheels the car behind the sign of the line. The yes. Yeah. Uh, effectively saying, if you lived here, you'd be home by now. Yeah. <laughs> 
home in the future. That's right. Oh. Yeah, live in the home in the future. The, Do you know what? The of the I didn't. Re- I just. I've just realised what that means. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd be home by now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't sort of like. It didn't twig with me this time. You know. Like I'm just. Ah. Yeah. yeah so See, and then that's he, it. Clever. Then See how clever a... that is. Everything in this film it means something. You know. Like there's not a single thing that doesn't mean something. And he's got a a three mile walk in a town. Yeah. Uh, which he has to walk in, which means that previously he skateboarded three miles. That's like four and a half kilometers. So what you did in the eighties? Four and a half kilometers. That's a long way to drag behind cars. But anyway, that's what he did. Yeah. So he he walks he walks in a town where uh, we get a look at the nineteen fifty five. And the thing is, the town is like it's clean, it's nice. Yeah, it's all um, just like a new built yeah, town. It, like. it looks good. And um, the clock works. Clock works. We get a clear did. shot of the clock working. Uh, and he's picking up that the error is quite different. Well, and... he's following the same route that he skateboarded through. And, yeah. And similar things are happening. But it's different. So we get the enter, you know, not enter Sandman. I was going, <laughs> enter Sandman. <laughs> bring, no, the, um, yeah, Mr. Sandman, Bring Me a Dream sort of song is on. And there's like a, the record store there. It's got, uh, the, the Ballad of Davy Crockett, I think, which plays later on. And yeah. instead of having the mayor, re-elect Mayor Goldie yeah. van, it's another van saying re-elect Mayor yeah. Old White Man. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, everything's all shiny new. And instead of the uh, the Triple X theatre, it's showing Ronald Reagan movie yeah, of yeah. some sort, which yeah. I, I thought was interesting. Because yep. there's a, a future reference to Ronald Reagan. Because in 85, Ronald Reagan was in power. Yeah, yeah. And he, a man, a man, and everyone's wearing different. You know, they, they clearly look like they're wearing, co- you know, their costumes are sort of nineteen fifties. They have their own suits and, and stuff. Yeah, all the men are in and suits. And where the and aerobics is, uh, was in eighty five is actually a cafe. Yeah, or a milk, a milk bar. bar. <laughs> and a man dumps a paper and he picks it up and it says November nineteen fifty five. Yeah. Yeah, so he he goes into the the milk bar. He does to get a phone. He says, "Where's your phone?" Yep. And he goes looks up Doc. Yeah, looks up Emmett Brown. Yeah. And tries to call. Yeah, and the phone rings out. Yeah, so he rips the paper out and he comes out, and then we get this phone thing. Says, "Boy, you're gonna buy something here." I thought it was pretty ballsy of him. Rip the yeah page out, and he's holding it in front of the guy. Like, (laughs) if I was a shopkeeper, I'd be like. Hey, man. Someone else wants to use that. You can't yeah, just yeah. rip my phone book. Up. But anyway, yeah. he says, yeah, uh, give me a tab. I can't give you a tab. To... <laughs> I remember tab. Yeah. You don't have tab cola anymore. And tab, he says, oh, well, uh, Diet Pepsi or whatever yeah. it was, uh, Pepsi Free. Is it Pepsi Free? Says, you Pepsi free. Yeah, you've got to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, something without sugar yeah. <laughs> gives him a coffee. Gives him a coffee. <laughs> a black coffee. Yeah. For which he is, I think it was five cents was the price. Yeah, yeah. You no, no, five cents. Yeah, lucky the guy didn't look at the coin too hard. It would have gone, you know, manufactured in 1982. Yeah. Yeah, so so he has his coffee, and then we hear this, then McFly. And so Marty looks around, but then the guy sitting next to him looks He's, around. Yeah, and it's George, his and dad. It's George, and then we see this... teenage boy. We see this same scene that he saw at home repeated, where it's, yeah. it's homework. You're going to do my homework. I'm yeah. going to get it done. I'll give it to you first thing tomorrow morning. Yeah. I sleep in on Sunday. Yeah. And and hilarity ensues in that it sense does. there. And he's he's baffled, isn't he, Marty? He's kind of like, oh my, you know, he's like, it's like he is looking at something weird, you know, like 
to abstract to yeah, his reality. You know, he's freaking out. He's like staring at his dad, George. Yeah. And then uh, Goldie Wilson, is that his name? Yeah. The the, the cook. Yeah, the, or the bus boy or whatever yeah. they're called in a very the sort of. He was the mayor. Yeah. In uh, he goes around and gives him a speech. You know, you can do anything you put your mind to it. Me, <laughs> I'm out of here and doing this other thing. Yeah, yeah, you'll be mayor. Yeah, mayor. Yeah, mayor, like yeah I should be mayor. mayor. Yeah, and his dad. His and dad takes off. There is the connection because in nine. Well, this is back to what we're saying with cooking our noodles over this because yes. then. Back in 1985, he is the mayor. Yeah, he's, he's asking, looking for re-election. So, he's, oh, he's so did mayor. he just cause that always? Did this always happen? Is, is that the way it always happened? Oh, when, when did he geez. otherwise get... Or now that he got inspired at this time, does yeah. that mean he doesn't become doesn't, mayor? Yeah, when he goes out to 1985, oh, is he no longer oh, mayor? Is he inspired? Is someone else? Oh, my goodness. Maybe he's president. Oh, I never answered that question. Yeah, so anyway. So if Zemeckis is out there and listening, he should uh, tweet us or send us some information about this well, I'm, via I'm Facebook. I'm catching up with him next week Okay, for good, good. Or Bob Gale, they could let us he, know He does what keep cancelling, but... Okay. Oh, you actually... No, no he's not, it's not so much that he's cancelling, it's just that uh, is the police department keeps telling me that I'm not allowed within 500 <laughs> right, metres of right. him. But okay, I'll give it a go then. I'll call close, these people. I'll get my people to call these people, sorry. Um, Walt will call up And anyway So when he turns around His dad's gone his After dad's this gone. commotion And he rides behind a bike So he like Chases after him And uh, he does catch up On his bike He sees yeah, it's out, out the, the suburbs, front of the, yeah. Out in the suburbs now And he's like Looking for his dad And he, he, he notices He's up the tree And he's got binoculars And he kind of Takes it all in Marty And then he's like Oh Bird watching But he looks across and, The and street he, he sees that he's looking At a, a young girl Through the window And he's like Dad you're a Pervert. <laughs> Peeping Tom. <laughs> and, and when he's, he's saying that, um, uh, he's kind of uh, disturbed George and George scrambles down and kind of falls out of the tree and under grabs his bike onto the road. And this time, whereas we know that he should have got hit by the car, Marty actually is like, Dad, and pushes him out of the way and gets hit. Gets hit. Yeah, and, and it's a nice little clunk of his head Oh, on the it made me feel like, a bit off when yeah, I hear that oh, clunk. Yeah, there's a And then he looks clunk. up and sees the car and then he lets his head drop and he goes clunk. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, oh. And uh, you sort of hear the voiceover like, bring that boy inside or whatever, you know, from the grandma. So... Oh, he says, um, he says, Ma, uh, one of those damn boys jumped out again. <laughs> in front. Like, so this isn't the first time <laughs> that he's hit... He's hit a kid on the road. <laughs> and that's perfectly normal. <laughs> yeah, he says, another one of those boys just jumped out of nowhere in front of my car. Yeah. <laughs> I keep hitting all these young boys with my big, wide 1950s how, car. How many kids has he hit? I don't know. Again, it tells you the error. In the 1950s, you hit a kid, it's the kid's fault, right? Yeah, he so jumped just, in front of the car. jumped in front of the car, officer. <laughs> Interesting thing is that uh, he's, that's his grandfather. Yeah, I know. That he would have been a war veteran. Yes, if not actually actively in the war, but he certainly would have lived through it because 55 is yeah. only like 10 years. And if... He's in his 40s. If Lorraine, his mum, was 17 yeah. at that time, then she would have been seven at the end of the war. So, you know... Yeah, quite, quite... Yeah, in, anything been, to think of it. So, yeah, yeah. So we, we cut to the night time where Marty's in so, bed. Yeah, and he wakes up. Comes and he, to, he wakes up and it's still dark and... He's kind of like, mum, mum. Yeah, oh, you, you really bumped your head. Ah, oh, you know, I had the most terrible dream that I was, I'd, I was gone back in time. Oh no, you're right here in 1955, <laughs> huh? And turn the light on, and there's his mum, young, yeah, young and beautiful. Looks a lot like my sister-in-law. Right. It's uncanny. 
Really? Yes. Leah Thompson looks like your sister. Well, back in 85. <laughs> I don't know what Leah Thompson looks like now, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I, just, I, I was startled by... I was, I was looking at going, that's uncanny. Like, and mm. she, when she's wearing the dress at the under the seat ball, mm. it looked a lot like my sister-in-law's wedding dress. Right. When she's getting dressed to... Uh, getting married to my brother-in-law. Yeah, right. And I was just like, that's... Weird. It, it was just... I couldn't stop seeing her. Yeah. <laughs> in that actress. In that role. Yes, it was just odd. Very strange. So she, she's, as he comes to, he kind of um, realises that she's hitting on him. Yeah. And, and he has no got, pants uh, on. No pants on. Which is really weird. Like, why does he have no pants on? Yeah. I think that says more about the mum, doesn't yeah, it? That, like, yeah, there's the, something there we, going on. There's get, a bit of an under, underbelly joke there. We're starting to learn here that mum, who keeps saying, oh, I never park with boys, I never did this, I never <laughs> called them boys. She's a little bit of a... <laughs> bit of a firecracker herself. Yeah, that's right. And um, But he's also then realising that he did save his dad. His dad didn't get hit. He never met Lorraine, like in that incident. Mm. Oh, crapper. He's yeah, done he's, something here. He, and he has that. that. He, he goes down to the, the dinner where he sees little Joey in yep. the, uh, the playpen. And you better get used to those. Oh, he just <laughs> loves it in there. We just leave him in there for hours at a time. <laughs> it's so, a good little joke. It's funny because we never see Joey no, we in don't, the future no, when he goes back. No. Oh, yeah, you'd be expecting that Joey's not in prison, maybe. Maybe, but maybe not. And, you know, like... Yeah. Okay, but I was always surprised that you don't sort of see a little scene of someone, you know, waving goodbye, saying, yeah, yeah, I'll see you guys there. Yeah, see you, Joey. And what the, you know. But no. So we never find out his no. fate. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he still just goes to prison because he enjoys behind bars. That's so right. Much. That's the joke. But yeah, Marty is, is totally freaked out by the fact that he's at his dinner table and his mum wants him to stay the night and squeezes his leg and he just, he goes, nah, I'm out of here. So he yeah. runs for it and finds his way to Doc Brown's place. Where? Where he knocks on the door and, and Doc Brown is a bit weird and sort of lets him in. He's got some weird glowing contraption on his head. Yep. And sticks a sucker on Marty's head and says, don't do anything, don't do anything. And then tries to supposedly read him, read his mind. Which he does. Marty then reveals that he's from the future. Uh, the time travel machine and Doc Brown's you know what this means this doesn't work at all <laughs> and he takes this ridiculous this thing off his head and, and there's all smoke coming out yeah. of the, the power unit yeah, and it's, yeah. Just, it's quite you, it's you a useless the, piece of machine you get the feeling that he's, he's been doing sort of weird science yeah. a long time yeah um, and he uh, so but he doesn't believe Marty to begin with um and Marty has to kind of convince him that he is from the future. Yeah. And all... so he tells him the story of uh, inventing the flux capacitor the flux and falling capacitor. off the toilet and hitting his head. Um, which itself is such a funny story, isn't it? Like it, He was what... trying to hang a clock on the wall. And that's why he's got a time travel, of course. Because yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like a cartoon, isn't it? It like, is. It's a total. It's cause, a total. Because that's what you see in a cartoon with it there. They do something with a clock and they get hit on the head, boom, yeah. and their eyes swirl. That's right. And yeah. then they're in a different You could time. imagine him doing that, couldn't you? Christopher Lloyd or the doc. Um, so he does prove him. And so they have to kind of like come up with a plan. And you said it before, like it needs, or is it 1.8 gigahertz? 1.21 gigawatts. Yeah. And he's like, 
Doc now in 1950 is like, what was I thinking? Like, <laughs> how can you come up with that much power? You know, like, and he, and Marty's like, yeah, and plutonium. He's like, I'm sure in 1985 you can buy plutonium out of the grocery store. <laughs> And uh, which of course you can't, but uh, it's a funny like analogy, isn't it, yeah. for like this doc person understanding like why did I make it so powerful, you know? And um... as if <laughs> as if he had a choice. Yeah, in, I know, I you know. maybe it actually would have required fifty gigawatts, yeah. but it's he so... managed to make it down to only one point twenty one. Yeah, so. I know. But it's such a real nice um, again writing and how the actor plays it, like. There is a genuine difference in these docs, you know, yeah. and, you know, because there should be, because there's 30 years and it's, it's, but it's just so genuine because he's still got very similar traits, but it's like just in that scene alone, it's kind of like, what was but, I thinking? Yeah, he was says, yeah, plutonium. Like, oh, yes, well, the Libyans wanted me to build them a bomb, yeah, so I, yeah. so I, I took tripped. the plutonium yeah. and gave them a, a casing full of second hand pinball parts yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it like suits his character but it was such a i had a real good laugh then um so they they need to concoct a plan and of course in that scene as well to to power the car but he's got no answer at that moment in time but he's also says to marty you need to like stick clear of everything you know you, mm. you can't interfere with anything and and then in that moment marty's sort of saying well uh, yeah i kind of ran into my parents yeah and I might have kind of made it that they don't fall in love, you know. And they, they, I don't. He pulls out the photo, does he? In this, he does. He pulls out the photo because that's what escalates the stakes of the story, doesn't it? And yeah. his brother in the photo. Um, and look, I've got to say, I mean, I know you said about the photo, but I remember being a kid, and again, you know, you and I grew up. This was the normality of photos; these pieces of paper, yeah. Kodak paper. And it's like his brother was disappearing yes. you know, or had disappeared. Yeah, half his of head him. was gone. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, special effects 101. This is amazing. How'd they get rid of his head? It also no Photoshop. Makes, it makes perfect sense. It does. It Except does. when you think about it, you go, how is. Okay, I can understand the photo would no longer have his brother in it because the photo was taken without his brother. Although it still doesn't make sense, though, that if his parents didn't get together, it's not like they just wouldn't have the first child. But the, <laughs> the second two, yeah, second no two, yes. <laughs> and they'd have the exactly same photo, just not without the I older s- brother. Yeah. But okay, but you could sort of say, okay, so you but don't... The possi- the pl- uh, the, the, it's the mathematical calculation yeah, of well, it. The you could sort of say... The, was it the... They um, could still get back together and have Marty and his sister. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... It's still time. But this is not that. This is the case where the head is gone. <laughs> the head is dropped off. So the photo is slowly unraveling. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, I guess the thing is it's kind of like every second they're not together or every second their destiny is not coming together, like the plot, you know, the longer they're apart, the, the, the future then unravels. But it doesn't yeah. just... I mean, that's what they're saying. But wouldn't they, the piece film? of paper itself... Like disappear, yeah. start disappearing, like because yeah. yeah. then he pulls out the the thing and, and part of the the, and his the brother corner the paper's is gone, yeah. actually gone. Yeah, but, but anyways, it's it's still very cool. It's a storytelling device, yeah, and, and it fits with the feeling of the movie. It does. It's, it does. You, you know, you've, you've already accepted that there's this flux capacitor and a DeLorean yeah. that can travel through time when it hits 88 miles per hour, powered by plutonium that produces 1.2 gigawatts. A disappearing brother in a photo is the least of your concerns. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, like, when you just said it, like, I was thinking, yeah, wouldn't actually Marty disappear first because he'd be, like, the third child? Like, wouldn't it kind of go the other way? Like, there'd be more plausibility for the first child? 
still because they yeah. say they get together later in life yeah, in the it's first trial. His like, older sister is the first, now the first. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it. I love the, that. The whole photo. point of that whole photo <laughs> is to show you that there are genuine stakes and there's a timer. Yeah. There's a time limit on it. There is. Not yeah. just now. There's like a because of course time. he he shows yeah. Doc the note about uh, and and this is what I one of my favourite scenes. Uh, there's a number of lots of favourites, but there's yeah. one scene that I really didn't appreciate until watching it multiple times, as I have done now, is he says, you know, why, you know, I can't be stuck here for 30 years, because he's still saying 1.12 gigawatts, we can't do it. Yeah. I can't be stuck here for 30 years, you know, I've, I've got a girlfriend. Mm. Look, look, this is all you need to know about it. And he unwraps the thing and shows him the note that says, I love you, and the phone number. But on the other side is the clock tower. Yes. And so anyone... If you haven't thought of it already, you're going, oh, that's right, clock tower, we're going to strap a lightning. Yeah. And then, of course, that comes up a little bit later. Yeah. Doc says, lightning bolt, the, oh, the only thing that could produce that much power would yeah. be a lightning strike, but we never know where that happened. And then Marty goes, yes, we do. And as the audience, we've had enough time where we're going, yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, we, we, do, do. we do. We do. We know the clock tower gets hit. But we've got just, it's, it's the right amount of time. It's mm. not like... This whole time you're going, of course, we know it, we know it, we know it. Come on, you idiots, why aren't you yeah. thinking of it? It's more like it, it it's unravels. It's taking those steps, yeah. Yeah, as the audience, it unravels maybe a second or two before the characters say it. Mm. So you feel smart enough, yeah. but you don't feel disappointed in the characters. That's right, so it's, yeah. it's very well done. Yeah, very yeah. Well it is very well timed, isn't it? And, and, and so it's, it sets in motion that, okay, Marty, you're going to go back. You've got to go back to school. You've got to get your parents back together. Because your future is dependent upon it. Yeah. And we've got to wait till Saturday night for the lightning strike, no matter what. Yeah. So you've got to fix it before then, and then that will be the only way we can get you back to the future. And you still actually being alive to go back to the That's future. That's right. Um, so they at school, the thing is they realise pretty quickly that Lorraine, his mum, is head over heels for him. Mm. Um, and he's trying to convince George to kind of like he introduces George. He tries that yeah, once, once, and yeah, it she's kind of more interested in him. And George, you know, creeps then, away, kind of disappears. And then at lunch, and then at lunch, he tries to get it again. Um, and in here, we kind of learn that Biff is trying to get into Lorraine's pants. You yeah, know, like he kind he's of he's not doing on. it in a very nice way. No, he's a nasty boy. He's yeah. He's a dirty in fact, boy. In fact, when you're looking at it now, he's thinking. Why is he not in prison? Yeah. Because... <laughs> I'm sure he got away with a little bit of, you know... <laughs> I think in 55, there was a, probably a fair bit more sort of yeah. misogyny and, and, and male privilege So that's on probably there, where he got away from yeah. it. And he was a big dude and, you know, he was the popular... Guy, or, you know, he was just the big physical guy. Because I did... I must admit, in that scene, he... Uh, Biff keeps trying to get him. George isn't interested. And Marty stands up, you know, to the situation. And Strickland just kind of watches them. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like, and then someone else throws a paper plate. He's like, oh, you know, yeah. like, it's like, well, hang on. That kid was just about to, like, punch out the other kid. Yeah. There's about you, to be uh, you, some real blood Like, going real on blood there. in there then, you know. So, I love Biff in that. He's like, I'm going to cut you a break for being the new kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, just that one little break from Biff. Um, George isn't interested. And George lets him know... Uh, another good thing in this film is like, did you notice like every time Marty was trying to uh, talk to Biff, uh, not Biff, sorry, uh, George, he 
they're always moving. They're, like, they're always in a rush somewhere. Like George is always rushing somewhere. Mm. And Marty's got to like... picking his stuff up. Like he's always like, like it's move, never yeah. like we're just going to sit here and have a conversation. Like I'm going somewhere and you've got to kind of come with me. Mm. And I think that's a bit of a visual technique of making it like even, you know, getting exposition more interesting because it's like we're rushing somewhere whether you like it or not. I'm sure I heard something about that, like ER, that TV show. That was like we're always moving around. It, the it also, like, I think it also lets you cut conversations short. It does because we're, like, we're going somewhere. Real life conversations tend to meander and tend to have a they lot do. more in it. Movie or story conversations tend to be. If we're going somewhere, here's the bit of story information you need at this yeah. moment. Yeah, but then I'm hopping in the lift. Yeah, that is all. <laughs> you know, yeah. because otherwise, if it was like a like a normal conversation, yeah, just go like, on for like twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah, a twenty minute and conversation, some boring bits and you'd it. you'd you'd work out your your situation or whatever it is, and yeah, much better if you can have it rushing somewhere, and then yeah, a, a lift door closes, or someone's going to jump in a car, or That's right. Biff gets in the way, or something. So do, anyway, when he's trying to convince George, George isn't interested, but he lets him know he's interested in Saturday night. I'm not going to the dance because I'm into sci-fi. So we love George here at Space Brains. He would be listening to Space Brains. <laughs> he would be. Obviously. He would be the one of ten listeners. And I mean, so, so if you guys are out there thinking you're going, we could go out with a girl. Yeah. You could go out with a boy. Yeah. Or you could sit in Space Brains. Yeah. You know what to do. Go yeah. out with the boy and the girl to listen to Space <laughs> That's Brains. That's right. Get them into Space Brains. The three of you could be yeah. just sitting there just having Don't a Space wait. Brains thing. Do not wait for your son of the future to come back in time in a DeLorean and to get you back together with your mum in Jeepers. Because he will do it. He will do it. He will do it. He will do it. All right. Um, So he then, (laughs) there's a great scene where he rocks up in his spaceship, plugs in the guitar. Uh, Plays in the Walkman. Plays it on the Walkman. Yeah. And puts the headphones on and George is sleeping in bed and he kind of, he calls himself Darth Vader and he tells him From the planet Vulcan. From the planet Vulcan. So he just, you know, grabs bits and bobs from sci-fi culture and tells him he must ask her out. Yes, that's... (laughs) <laughs> that's not suspicious at all no no so then the next day George, George rushing up to Marty it's mm. the other way around and he's all disheveled constantly like, flopping his hair to the his side his beautiful hair Crispin Glover's hair in this is so cool um, and he, uh, he he's then saying to Marty no like I've got I'm going to do it and but I need your advice and there's a real nice like opposite here isn't there like mm. a father son moment but Marty's the father you know and he's like Telling him the tricks of uh, yeah, yeah. Tell you the stuff that chicks like. <laughs> chicks like, you know, this is what this is the crap that girls like. Yeah, this, this is stuff you just have to say to get girls like. You don't have to believe it or think yeah. it, which we like believe because you know he does a bit of. We saw him schmoozing with uh, Jennifer earlier, so um, it's at the diner. It's at the milk bar. Milk bar, yeah. yeah. And all these teenagers are bloody high on milk, aren't they? Have they never had? pasteurized milk before in their life because they are off their chops on milk, aren't they? In this yeah, scene? they're pretty They're happy. dancing, they're happy, they're really loaded up. It's going you know? and then, well, yeah, George, to get his confidence up, he says, what's his name? Earl, milk, chocolate. And he takes a big <laughs> a bit. gulp of it down. Yeah. I, I can't help but think that's kind of a bit of a, bit of a play there. Cause yeah. in, in 85, I don't know if you had milk bars so much anymore, but... no. The idea was like what people do in bars, you know, yeah. like throwing so a slimy shot, you know. Yeah, like. he slurps down a big gulp of yeah. chocolate milk. And I did notice like he really slurps and slammed it on the bench and it actually sprayed the um, 
the uh, what is it, Milt Barman, and and he kind of, but the Milt Barman was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, because <laughs> like, you imagine you you sit there, like, imagine a teenage chocolate. kid spilling chocolate milk. Okay, here goes some chocolate milk, <laughs> like slide it down the bar. But it, it was it was a nice little little um, it was scene, sort of almost a, and it, it's interesting to think that they made this first film without the sequels in mind. Yeah. But, of course, number three, they're in the Wild West. Yeah. And there's this similar scene where Marty walks into the bar and orders something or other, and you know, he can't handle it because it's a bit rough. Yeah. But it's a, it's a reflection of this scene. Yeah. But yeah, yeah they so do that a lot. George goes there. up to yeah. uh, L- Lorraine. Lorraine, yeah. And totally muffs it and talks about density yeah. instead of destiny, and he doesn't handle it very well. No. And with that, Biff... Oh. Beef. And you just did it then. <laughs> Marty was like, oh, <laughs> he rolled the eyes. Like, I mean, come on. And and what does he do? He puts his foot out and trips him over. Yeah, he just can't help it. He can't help it. Good on. And then so um, he, 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 yeah, Biff has tripped over. He's like, ah, you know, like, you know, get him and all these uh, buffoons. Um, Marty, like, pushes them all over in one, you know, real good sort of shoulder him. charge, yeah, and uh, runs out. And there's these kids on... Wooden plank scooters. Oh, aren't they Billy Box scooters or something? Yeah, That's the something name like of them. Right. I just suddenly had, I remember my mum saying something like that. But um, they're kind of skateboards with crates on top of them. And of course, Marty just like kicks the crate off and still you know, he goes, "I'll give it back to you." So you know, it's a nice save the cat moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm going yeah. to give you a bit of skateboard, kid. Don't worry. But I need it. And he takes off skateboarding. Everyone's a bit like, "What the? Yeah, they've never hell seen anything this like guy? this before." You know. So and Biff and his mates jump in their car and they terrorised through the town as Marty, you know, slingshots it around that beautiful town centre of yeah, this. Yeah, does this all his tricks, uh, you know, grabbing yeah. the back of grabbing cars. Grabbing the backs of the and... cars and jumps and, you know, whatever else. Oh, and and the, the sparks flying off That's the right. steel as he goes up. That's... That's it. And anyway, and then he's, yeah, the Biff, like, fangs it up behind him and he's, like, holding onto a car and then he, like, looks ahead and he... Um... And, and Biff is going to murder him. Yeah, he's going like, to like run him over. says, I'm going to ram him because there's yeah. a truck there, the back of a truck. Yeah. And, of course, as a kid watching this, I was like... Oh, yeah, you thought... Oh, because we know he's not going to do it. It's yeah. not going to... But I'm looking at it as an adult, I'm thinking, that's that's murder. Like, yeah. he's hammering this car. This, yeah. this car weighs like a ton and a half yeah, or something. Yeah. If he hits him, he's dead. Yeah, like, Marty is going to be cut in half by yep. this thing. yep. Which really pains... Biff is a really psychotic person. Uh, he's he's very rough with Lorraine. And if George doesn't intervene at the end, Lorraine is not getting out of that unabused. No, no she's, she's and toast. And he has gone to murder Marty. Marty at this moment in time. Like... Yeah. Oh my goodness me. But he's not a nice guy. He's not. He's the villain. So, yeah. And it's, anyway. it's, but it's not just he's not a nice guy. He's... he's it's really, I, I, you know, it's portrayed in a cartoonish way in this movie, but when you really sort of analyse it, you're going, he's actually kind of, he's, he's a step up from what maybe is needed, but but I guess it makes it funnier when the, the yeah. dump, the, the poo falls on him. <laughs> so, and that, see, that happens in each movie, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so he, so he, he, he gets a cart full yeah. of manure or something. So like in that. this one, he's about to murder Marty. We'll make it a, we'll make it a more serious adult film. And Marty uh, realizes last moment and does the best thing ever, which is like jumps up onto the bonnet of this car, climbs through them, and they're all like, "What?" And, and jumps back on, jumps lands back, back, on, back on, on the skateboard. skateboard. Yeah. I mean, come on, that is brilliant. And they're all so distracted by that that, of course, they haven't had time to break. 
and Biff then, you know, screeches on the brakes and they hit this truck of manure. Yeah, and it dumps, and fills it the dumps, whole car. It fills them up. Like, they are loaded to the top, you know. And I think Biff then says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to kill him. Yeah, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone in that car would have been like, uh, I thought you were just going to kill him. I thought, like, oh, that was it just then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the real, like... The realistic version of those people, like those teenage boys, would be like, oh, "I thought you just tried to do it then." Yeah. You know, like, so also, we're leaving. Yeah. We're not as committed to yeah. that <laughs> as you are. Because we all, like, we'd all be second degree murder there, wouldn't we? I think we yeah, would. Okay. Yeah. Accomplices. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so then Marty Lorraine as well is more in love. She, yeah. So I mean, there's a great line there. I think oh, they he's, say he's a dream he, or something. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, "Where did he come from?" And she says. She says something like, I don't know, but he is a dream. Yeah, I yeah. can't help so, himself. Which, again, really great writing because all of that is like, you know, mystical and stuff like that. Um, anyway, he goes to back to Doc's place and Doc is actually fast-forwarding, rewinding the tape, of, mm. which we know his death is on the tape. Um, uh, and well, that's what just, Marty is. Just but, prior to his death. Yeah, so we see that he hasn't been watching it, but there's a nice little tension in that scene that mm. there's almost like the impression that it, and Marty sort of says look there's something I've got to say about what happened on the night that I came back and he's like no no you can't tell me anything in the future but there's this sort of moment there isn't there there's a bit of tension in mm. that like maybe has he watched it all or has he watched it you know like you know um, and he does a great thing <laughs> I thought you would have liked I, did you like this scene where he's like I've built a replica yes, of the town I'm but sorry. I haven't had time to paint it when I, I didn't when put I it to scale it, yeah. <laughs> I just thought of you I'm like, I'm like that, was a, that was a great line of the doc like I didn't have time to paint it like <laughs> I was like oh sorry would like that like, yeah, you know, and, like, and put it to scale because it's like <laughs> the whole enacting of that was just it was pointless it was it's like, now you let go of the toy car <laughs> and he puts the car better <laughs> and, and it just fires up it's a in flame and drops and he's like ah because it <laughs> sets fire to something in his oh, laboratory the, the, the real thing won't be so dramatic yeah and, but like I wasn't even I mean it, I mean you know why they did it because they kind of were saying it's going to be dangerous to do this right so yeah, I get it as a visual point but you're so right like I mean, the car wasn't going 88 kilometers an hour it's not like, where's it going to go? Like when he built the model and he's going to give it an electric shock, what was the point? Yeah. Like, like you know, it, this it, brilliant it man, like why would he even do that? It demonstrates like, nicely to the audience. To the audience, but it doesn't make yeah. actually any sense in no. terms of But it, like, it is very good from a story point of view in that it <laughs> yeah. gives you that, that uh, like if they don't do this right, knowledge of how it should of work. What, what's yeah. going to happen. So Yeah, it's really clever. Because they I just sort of talked about it. So, oh, yeah. You've got to show the audience, man. We'll catch the lightning bolt. And you sort of go, okay, okay, okay. How's that going to work? Well, now you know. Could you just imagine when they made that scene, like Spielberg and Zemeckis and like just sort of sitting there and laughing like we just laughed. (laughs) Like, like this is classic. We need to spoon feed the audience what it's going to look like. But this is pretty funny. And how much of the reaction of the the guys was genuine? Yeah. Like uh, Michael J. Fox and uh, Lloyd. Because... Often, you know, develop, developers, directors will tell you, tell them, okay, this model car will go down there, and yeah. just, you know, this sparks will go off, you know, but that's all they're told. Yeah. And then, of course, maybe they didn't really know what was actually going to happen. They yeah. just, yeah, there'll be some sparks, and sure enough, the whole thing gets sort of burst into flames, and they just, you know, ad lib it, you know, yeah, roll with it. Yeah. 
like you said, in Alien, you know, the classic, they didn't know that it was going to burst out. Yeah, they, the they knew there was this, this dramatic scene where the alien would reveal itself, but they didn't know it was going to burst out and the blood was a real spur. It's going to actually spray all yeah. over us, yeah. So they're all like, ah! Because <laughs> Doc does really like, ah! Like yeah. in this moment, when it like, it like lights on fire. Um, so, yeah, and anyway, so in it, they've done all that and Lorraine shows up and she asks, there's, there's quite a like sexual scene there yeah he's like they, they go quick up hire and backed the, up and, and I, I like the delorean like uh, sorry doc because he like they they go wrap up the delorean and he kind of like he creeps around the back and he's kind of like casually yeah. like sitting on the car like leaning on the car like i'm uncle doc that's how he's introduced as and um and then like marty's kind of like ah uh, uh, like you know like not really handling the yeah, and being he asked gets, gets out. backed into a corner yeah, as his, yeah. His but both him and doc mom. are kind of like uh, you know they're, they're, Nothing. they don't really know what to say it's like when when you catch your kids having done something wrong yeah. you sort of walk in and they go <laughs> they think they're acting perfectly normal yeah. and you look at you go uh, what have you guys so done? I think good directing, good acting of that scene because yeah, it was kind of like, well, yeah, this attractive young woman is asking Marty out. I mean, and but it's his mum, but it's his mum from the yeah, like. It, 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 like and this is, this and you're playing a role, is, like yeah. This is the setup for the finale. Is that is. we've got this new obstacle. So not only has George been incapable of asking her out, but now Marty's going to the dance with her, which is like totally wrong. Yeah, totally wrong. Totally wrong, but, but that's cool because next thing he rocks up to his dad's place, George's place. And they have a plan. And he says, oh, come on, dad, dad, daddy-o. <laughs> Pip and I, my, my wife and I, we, we still we, we still use that phrase where you know, she'll say, oh, how are you going, dad, dad, daddy-o. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what's nice in that is he goes, he's like, so... You know, you, you what are you going to be doing? He's like, oh, we'll I'll be at the dance. He's like, and where am I? And he's like, yeah, you and Lorraine will be in the car, and um, and then precisely nine o'clock, you need to come out. And um, and he's like, and then George is like, yeah, but what? Why? Why will that work? And he's like, Marty's like, he goes, well, because nice girls don't like it when guys take advantage of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's holding a bra. And I like yeah. I, I never you know I've never really it, noticed and that. Your hands are going to be all over like, her. Your hands are going to be all over. And like Marty's like grabs the bra and throws it. He's like no. <laughs> like there's such a like clever scene, isn't it? Like when yeah. you think when you really watch it, that like closely, you're like visually wow. demonstrating. Like, like holding he's his holding your bra. <laughs> they don't need to say oh you're going to be touching her tits. Like it's just like oh you're going to be and, oh I'm going to be doing that. You know like I'm just going to. And be it doing wasn't this. a little delicate bra. No, it was. Well, because I. I would presume that was George's mum's bra. Yeah. So, you know, mature woman, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, but there was a great little scene that he's like, you will pull him out, punch me in the tummy, and, Lorraine, you know, you and Lorraine will be back in love. Go, go in and dance and kiss. Yeah. And it's happily ever after. Yeah. And it's nice because in terms of, like, not wasting any story, the next scene is uh, Marty and Lorraine parking. Pulling up... And, in and fact, he she says, says, would you like to park? Yeah, it's not the first time I've parked. These <laughs> boys. Like, that's so, so cool. Isn't it? And he's like looking at it and then she pulls out the, the hip flask. <laughs> she says, maybe you shouldn't drink so much. <laughs> yeah. You sound like my mum. Yeah, that's right. And then, cool. and then he goes to have a, have a swig himself. And she's like and lighting she up a cigarette. Cracks up a cigarette. Oh my God, you're smoking too. Yeah, jeez. Um, and 
I mean, the plan there, <clears throat> which is nice, because the plan was, of course, Marty would be like treating her, uh, mistreating her, but in fact, then she's sort of basically mistreating her. She's ripped her top off. And he, um, he, he, she jumps him and pushes him back yeah, and smooches and him. Smooches and, him. And says, strange, it's like kissing my brother. Mm, yeah. And he, he says, I know exactly what you mean. You know, like, yeah. And um, the door, the car door rips open and him thinking, you know, Marty thinking, okay, here's George. Finally. Finally. <laughs> it took long enough. Uh, that was a bit awkward with mum. And uh, but Biff and the gang, you know. Yeah. Then the, so the tension has raised, hasn't it? It's nice. Yeah, now we're going. And he's dragged out of the car and he's like, and he's like, you know, I'm going to kill you because of that manure. You know how much the car cost? $300 to <laughs> clean it. <laughs> and um, which, is, which is nice because, you know, it's like at the end he's cleaning cars, you know. As well. mm. uh, <clears throat> um, and then he looks around and Lorraine's like, you know, get your hands off him, you know. Get your hands off Kelvin, Kelvin Klein. And, um, and then you get this kind of, you know, voyeuristic shot from Biff down her top. Yeah. And Biff is like, woohoo, Lorraine. Yes. Well, you and me are going to get something on going on now, you know. And she knows it and he hops in the car. And the other guys all sort of like sink a couple of punches into Marty. Yeah, bundle him up. And, uh, but then they're watching him kind of going, well, hang on, she's not. And they're, they're like, he's like, what? What? You're going to watch? You're going to be, I can't remember the line, but it's like, you're going to be dirty. This is not a peep show. This ain't no peep show. <laughs> take, him, show. take him out the back and I'll be there. And they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we're all white men. We don't mind. We'll, we'll just leave you to rape her. And, <laughs> but this is a PG movie, so it's okay. But, you know, so then Biff starts trying to get his uh, action on. And Marty's ripped away. Um, chucked in the back of the car. Chucked in the back of the, the musician's trunk with the keys. Uh, and we kind of cut from that to then oh, George. Well, you, you can't miss out where the, the guy says, what are you doing in my car? He says, this has got nothing to do with you, Spook. Yes, yeah, And the, the other guy gets out of the car and says, you know, Blows away some songs. He says, who are you calling spooks? Yeah. Well, we don't got no trouble with the reefer addicts. <laughs> Which even back in 85, they're making fun of the uh, the whole concept of, of reefer addicts being dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't bore me to death with your ridiculous epiphanies about the universe. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But, then, like, but I mean, like, yeah, there was like a racist moment there, wasn't there? Yeah. They all got out. Of, and then all the, all the black musicians got out of the car and they're like, oh, oh shit, you know? Yeah, they, they, they run off. Yeah, they run showing off. Their, you know, Biff's cohort uh, showing their true colours. They run away. They should. And Marty's stuck, stuck in the trunk, of course, and they can't get him out. And it kind of cuts to them, like George realising he should be out there. So he rushes out to the car. And he uh, rips open that door thinking it's going to be Marty. So he's got all the courage in the world. Get and of course it's her. Biff. Get your damn hands off her. Well, no, well, Biff is, yeah, he says the line. Um, but, but then he's also like, oh, God, it's Biff. Yeah. So he's lost his confidence. Um, and Biff tells him to walk away, doesn't he, I think. Yeah, and leave. Lorraine pleads for help. Um, and he's hesitant, you know, because Biff has been the bully and has the power over him. Um, and then um, he's like, ah, no, Biff. But then Biff, like, comes out and grabs him. Yeah. And gets hold of him. Twists his arm behind yeah. his back. And we have a nice thing cut, of course. Then we cut to the musicians are trying to get Marty um, out of the boot, and they do, and just as they do that, the guitarist cuts his hand. Oh. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh hand and the boot opens marty's like thanks very much chucks in the keys and runs off 
And then we cut back and uh, George is, you know, in this arm hold. Lorraine's pleading with Biff, you're going to break his arm. And he kind of just somehow manages up all well, the because, gusto. Because Biff grabs Lorraine's face and pushes her back in the car. Right. And she yeah. falls back on his bum. Yeah. And so looks startled and, and yeah. disappointed. Yeah. That's when George snaps. He snaps. Finally snaps. The movie and... should have been called George Snaps. He... <laughs> Like ginger snaps. In a, um, in a world he, where he, ginger hasn't snapped yet. George <laughs> well, she hasn't. She hasn't. Because it's 1951. Anyway, he like clenches his fist and left hooks him. Yeah, yeah it's a left hook. It's That's a, a really hook. weird thing. Because it's but... a surprise hit, isn't it? Yeah, you know? bam. Comes around, bam, and Biff is... Biff spins around once, comically. <laughs> comically. Because you couldn't have it too, you know, like, you know, teeth none flying this, out. None of like, this violence is too it, It's all a bit cartoony. Yeah. He, he spins around once and falls back in the car. And then yeah, you can almost that. imagine stars and birds you flapping could. around his you head could. as he falls off to the ground. Yeah. And, and then, with, with that, um, you know, like Marty rocks up and all these people rock up. And they're like, who's that? Who's that? That's George who's McFly. George McFly, you know. <laughs> um, and so Marty's like, you know, he's impressed. He's happy. And they, they Lorraine and him walk off as well, like towards the dance. And so Marty's like relieved. He He pulls out the photo. But it's not got better. No, his sister has disappeared. So So he runs off to the musicians who are now strapping his hand up and says, you guys have got to finish the dance. Or they won't get on the dance floor and they won't kiss. And then I'm history. And they say, well, unless you know anyone who can play guitar, we're not going up there. And there's a nice jump cut And there's a... (laughs) And then he's he's, He's he's just sitting there playing just really boring... Uh, you know, arpeggio chords to the yeah. Earth Angel, Earth Angel. <laughs> and then partway in there, like George and Lorraine look like they're, they're going to kiss. They're dancing, but then, they're about to kiss. redhead, the, he almost looks like the, um, what was that guy, the, the, the uh, from American Pie, the redhead dude. The he does look like Herminator. Yeah, Herminator. <laughs> it can't be him because it's like, like a good 10, No, it's not him. 20 it, years. I wonder difference. if the Herminator is like kind of yeah, so, like a homage to so that. So some jerk jerk guy like cuts him cuts off, pushes him and goes, George yeah, Get out of the way, George. Yeah. And George sort of meekly goes away. And then poor old Marty falls back. He can't play. Nah. And he gets out his, his Suddenly picture. Suddenly he can't play, yeah. And he's, he's faded almost totally away. And he holds up his hand. You can it's see his vanishing. eyes through the high hand. Because yeah. his brother lost his head, but... Marty's just fading. He's fading. Well, because he's... So, I mean, that was always my thing. It was like, would back in 1985, would they have all been disappearing? But, but no, I suppose <laughs> no, because this was 1955. 1985 hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't happened yet in this time world. But yeah. And the photo shows the probability of it happening. Yeah, I the guess, probability of it. Yeah. Which is getting less and less. But then George turns around and says, no. And then... Pushes, pushes him out the, the way, totally him out of the way. Get out of the way. Kisses her. Takes her and kisses her. <laughs> it's a great, like, he just, I've always liked this. He's like, it's like it, Marty's erect. Yeah, he suddenly like, bounces, he bounces up. bounces up. Like, yeah. a, like a vampire rising from his tomb. He does. <laughs> and he's playing again, yeah. In tune. <laughs> yeah. And the picture, they all come back. Yeah. And then and now we know Don't that he solved kids. that issue. Yeah. The next issue, of course, is the lightning bolt. But he first on. of all does, <laughs> he says, uh He's about to leave. And yeah, you're going to have we do one last ourselves. one to really shake things up or something, yeah. as you say? Yeah. Really, really turn turn it up a bit or something. Yeah, yeah. So he goes up and says, oh, yeah, this is an oldie. Uh, it's an uh, it's oldie, oldie from where, where I'm I from. Where I come from. <laughs> <laughs> but a goodie. And then he turns back to the band and says, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a blues 
Yeah. Be, and try to keep Try up. to keep up. <laughs> and he plays Johnny Be Good. Yeah. Chuck Berry song. And if you actually look at old Jay Fox's hands, he's actually playing yeah, the notes that he's he playing. It's he quite... Yep. They, they didn't have a body double there. It's quite no, good. No, it's, it's Michael J. Fox doing his best. And then, of course, because we saw the name was Marvin Berry. Berry, yeah. And the statues or something funny. He, he, he yeah. rings up on the phone and says, Hey, Chuck, Chuck, it's your cousin, Marvin Berry. <laughs> Just in case you hadn't, hadn't worked out yeah. that Chuck Berry. So that sounds you're looking for. And he holds that. And, yeah. And as Michael J. Fox rips it apart. And then he, then he goes all Van Halen. He's doing like the fret tapping and is <laughs> yeah. squirming on the, the floor. The band and, stops and everyone stops dancing. Everyone's looking at him going, what are you doing? Yeah. He says, yeah, well, your kids will really love it. Yeah. And then it, he runs. It's like, I think the line is, I guess you were not ready for that, but your kids are going to love it. Well, see, it was really nice because <laughs> this, this is a great, like, one sub, I suppose the, the primary story of, his parents getting together, mm. like seeing that, that story come to fruition. This is like a little celebration. This is the, ah, yeah. And then we get a little rock song. It's mm. like, you know, we can all have that little chuckle. That, uh, yeah. This is, this is old-fashioned music as yeah. far as we're concerned, but for them Definitely. it's new-fashioned yeah. music. But it's also hear. like there's another, I completely agree, sorry, but there's also like another thing here which I never, ever thought before. It's kind of like, Marty getting told again, like he's too loud, like he's he's too. There's a repeated message here, yeah. isn't there? Like, but I never. I mean, it's not super important, but it's kind of it's kind of funny that like in 1985 he he plays Huey in the news and he's told, oh, no, that's too loud. And then like in 1955 he plays Chuck Berry and it's like, no, we don't get this. Like he's constantly being told. Well, like, I, it's another way to look at like, it is it's, it's sort of like, yeah, you're maybe five years ahead of your time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, know when. I don't know when Johnny Good, Be Good came out. It was it was pretty close. It was in the fifties, fifty seven. I thought it'd be fifties. Yeah, obviously after fifty five because I think they would have made that. You know, they would have yeah, they, they would have realized that. I think. Yeah, they I think I think would've they would have googled a, a that. Shouldn't they? Eighty five. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> they would have looked at that. They would have looked at that. Surely, surely. Well, it's, it still would have been relatively recent. Yeah. Because I mean, you're thinking about music that was released, say, in two thousand. Mm. You know, we're still. I don't know, like Blink One Eight Two, or yeah, your, or your um, who are those people like Lincoln Park? Yeah, you know, these are still songs that get played. Yeah, and people know of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know Johnny in the eighties. We knew that song. Yeah, yeah. Still know it today. I think. In yeah. fact, uh, Judas Priest does a great cover. Okay, that's okay. that's where I know it from. Mm. Anyway, yeah. So he rushes then to Doc. So we, we cut to yep. Doc, and yep. he's. He's prepping. He's getting the cables up, and a policeman says, "You know, uh, <laughs> I love that. Do you have the right paperwork?" And as far as I can tell, Doc Brown is bribing, bribing him. Bribing, yeah, bribes him. Yeah, hmm. uh, yeah. Yes, of course I do. And he opens up his wallet. Like, a great shot of him as he's like, "Yes, officer, I do." Like he, he just like, he doesn't do it to camera, but he might as well almost have done it to camera. He like walks down, and then Marty's like. Um, Oh, that's because Marty's like writing him that letter, isn't he? You know, like oh, he's, he's in stuffing it in his yeah, pocket. And it's a letter about that on the night that I turn back, like you die, that you get shot or whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> but it is funny because then in the background we see he's, him he's opening the, the wallet, the, opening the wallet goes you know? off, yeah, and it never we never see anything more, so we presume it. Um, and when he meets up with Doc, he's running late. You know, Doc's like, you know, come on, we're gonna get going, and he says to him, "You've got precisely like six minutes." Before you have to be at the start line and take yeah. off, and he sets that alarm on the so dashboard. Sets the alarm there, and which then is a, great because a little ticking clock just to speed up the climb. And, and then we get the the wind suddenly howls through and breaks a branch, yep. which 
knocks the cable and unplugs it. Yeah. And so now... And at the same time, they're arguing, because Doc's like, I don't want to know the future. Yeah. And, they're like, and they're arguing over this letter, and he rips it up. And, um, you know, the wind's howling, the branch breaks, and the cable... And he's like, I've got to go up the top. And he's like, Doc, you know, like, and he, you know, he starts... He wants to... He's like, don't tell me. And he, like, climbs up to the top of the clock tower, and he's like, you know, lingering out, you know, this thing that... I suppose it's like three stories high or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's quite it's high. Fair bit up it'd there. Be, it'd be a deathly fall. Is it, we, get a, high enough. we get that, you know, um, fear reaction yeah, where, where Doc steps out and there's a flash of lightning and he yeah, jumps back and he's, he jumps out, yeah. And his yeah. foot kind of on the concrete edge, a bit of concrete kind of crumbles, you know. Yeah, but, but he, does, he chucks the rope down, yeah. Marty ties the cable, he pulls, it, the pulls cable it up and then he says, he's holding his two bits and he goes, okay, now Marty, you've got to... You've got to go. Go, you've got... Four minutes. Yeah. And he's saying, no, no, you're going to, going to, going to tell you about yeah, what's but... going to happen, you know, and all, and they're yelling at each other, you know, and they're like, oh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> and they said arguing, and um, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. He says, you're, the you're clock like, strikes. The clock and then, strikes. And, and that's what kind of, he's like, you've got to go. And he's like, yeah. Marty's angry about it all. So they, you know, he flees. And um, we have this beautiful suspense scene where. He's trying to get the, the yeah. cable and cable in, and then he slips Just, his foot floors yeah. and he's dangling from the clock. In that opening scene with the clocks, I said that yeah. there was something I noticed before. There's actually a shot of, I think it might be a, I don't know, like a Charlie Chaplin where he's like hanging off a clock. Right, yeah. So there's a okay. picture of that, and that's cool. like a little foreshadowing there because yeah. we have that same scene where Doc Brown then is dangling off the yeah. arm of the clock. Yes. Yeah. And I never, of course, you're not going to notice that the first time you watch it. No. Yeah, that's no. that's a little Easter egg. That's a little, yeah, it is a little watching. visual Easter egg. So that's yeah. in the first sort of 30 second intro yep. as, as the camera pans through that room. There's little clips of stuff. Yeah. And there's all the clocks, and that's one of the clocks is a guy dangling off the yeah. hand. So. And so Marty gets the DeLorean, takes off down to <laughs> Doc is painted on the road. Makes you wonder, Start. though, did Doc Brown have that clock because of the interaction he had with Marty? Hanging off the clock, and so he saw that clock with the. the I'm going to get that one. Yeah. So, ooh, I don't know. Probably. Yeah, not. It could. But it's all thought out. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so then Marty gets to that big, lovely thing that he's painted over the road, like start, start here. Yeah. And he, he gets that point. And then we're back to Doc, and it's it's a bit comical, that whole moment, isn't it? And it, you're probably right. Like, Charlie Chaplin's a good sort of sense of what's going on yeah, with the doc like he finally gets it, it's like the cable just won't reach you know? yeah like, he, he finally gets a cable that's dangling off his centimeters foot, yeah and he's hanging he finally gets his feedback and goes kind of like oh, gets goes, it all together. Goes to club it, and it starts maybe like a centimeter yeah. away and he's like, just won't click and, and he, he realizes it's like locked under a branch and he, and he yanks it too hard and unplugs yeah. it from the other end yeah <laughs> <There's>, oh, <laughs> too many plugs God. doc too many plugs but at the same time marty's sitting there struggling to get this car started yeah and it's not starting well <laughs> yeah now before that happens he he goes, wait a minute, I could go back no, 10 minutes I early. Yeah. I've got all the time in the world. Yeah. But he only does 10 minutes. Yeah, he only does He 10 could minutes. have done like half an hour yeah. or a day. But No, that's not exciting. He just does 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes. And so he does the 10-minute thing. Uh, so he winds the clock back an extra 10 minutes. Because you know, I can tell the doc in the future you're about to be shot. Mm. Only when there's 10 minutes to go. Um, and then we, we... And then, yeah, the car... And then you go, you know, the, the alarm clock goes, but the car won't start. Yeah, and then he... he <laughs> in frustration, he bashes his head on the yeah, screen. Like, he's like, something. screw it, pedal. There's a great bit of tension. He's pedal, and then slams his head uh, and it starts. I remember watching this the first time where you've got Doc Brown not being able to plug the cables yeah. together. And then when he finally plugs it in, it unplugs the other yeah. end. Like, and there's Marty on. 
twisting and twisting yeah. and he's going, oh, for crying out loud. Something worked for this. This all has to work yeah. because that's Marty the way the movie's going to yeah. end. Yeah. But they really like it. stringed it out, didn't they? In a good and finally, way. yeah, so finally Marty gets a cargo and he starts yeah. hammering it down. Doc then strings the, the cable over the clock and slides Fly, down it. Flying Batman Fox style, style yeah. yeah. Manages to just at the last and minute. And Marty's getting closer and closer. And in it. fact, Marty goes, come on, Doc. Like, yeah, he's he's that looks across and sees him. And the, the Doc plugs it just as the lightning, the lightning strike strikes. happens. It all works. Yeah. Doc goes flying back. And, and then those beautiful flaming strikes wheels, leading strikes towards like, the cinema. And we have like Doc like celebrates, you know, um, he's very happy about it all. And it's very nice at the start of number two, isn't it? The the car reappears. Yeah. And he yeah. goes, what the hell? Yeah, so, but yeah. while we're about number two, <laughs> I just I just love that that yeah. scene in number two. Yeah. So, so he arrives back in uh, 1985. He arrives back, the car won't start again. Yeah. And uh, the town's a shithole, and he's like, oh. And who drives past oh, yeah. him? The, the Libyans. <laughs> they go, ah. Just fly past him. And there's like the drunk. Like, I like, this is so Americans 1980s, isn't it? Like, like, there's like a drunk in the street, like a homeless drunk. Like, they're always, you know, it's just symbolic of like an American town or city. Yeah, like, there's there's always of, these drunks. It's also like, sort of fallen apart a bit. Yeah, yeah. We're back to seeing a bit of graffiti about places. Yeah. There. And the Do- cinema's and not showing Ronald Reagan like wholesome yeah. cowboy movies that's showing triple X no, sex that's right. feature. And, and we see all that and Marty's really happy. But yeah, the Libyans fly by and he's like, oh, see, so because the car won't start yeah. again. I mean, geez, he runs. No wonder the DeLorean's never sold. I mean, come on. Um, was that the joke in this movie? Like, I, they never—I never saw it in the behind the scenes. But did they literally go, "Well, the DeLoreans don't work"? Like, makes a lot of sense. The funny thing is, though, everyone wanted a DeLorean yeah, after this. I know. So um, he's like, you know, pelts it, uh, runs it to the uh, Twin Pines Pines Mall. Oh, we, and... Well, we we skipped over the part where he ran over one of the pines, and and the Peabody farmer Peabody's going, "You killed my tree! You killed my pine!" <laughs> and there was literally. Two pines. He's going to breed pines. He had literally two, two pines, pines and Marty ran one of them over. Yeah, and that's why it's called Twin Pines. Yes. So you do wonder, like, it was still called Twin Pines? Like, you know, I mean, things changed. Well, he couldn't know. breed his pines. He couldn't so breed his pines, so it shouldn't have been called Twin Pines. Anyway, he runs there, and by the time he's gotten there, uh, basically the dock is getting shot. Like, yeah. he, And he comes in at a different angle where we're further back from the shopping centre. And he can see the Libyans stand off with Doc. Bam, bam, Doc is and shot. I, I do love this opportunity you get in time travel movies of seeing the same scene from, a different, from a different yeah, viewpoint. Yeah. yeah, and he sees himself like hiding and then the Libyans shooting at him and him popping back. And we see the car, like a nice wide shot of what that car did, didn't we? The DeLorean, you know, yeah. like it fangs it around, goes around the bend. As we said, it was suspenseful the first time through because we were like going, oh, when he gets to 88, he's going. Oh, but this time through, I'm just going, hurry up and disappear yeah, so we yeah. can go find out what Doc's doing. But like when he does disappear, the good old Libyans crash with a big explosion into that film processing yes. <laughs> or what would be now a muzz buzz. And um, they, they're obviously burnt to death. And he runs over like going, oh, Doc, Doc, Doc. Um, and he's you know upset. Obviously, he's too late. And um, Doc sort of sits up behind him like a bit of a zombie. Mm. And, um, you know, he's surprised. And then... He looks at him and he's like, he unbuttons his top and he's wearing a bulletproof and vest. And this this is a, a real, particularly Hollywood trope, is that if you've got a bullet, if you get shot in a bulletproof vest, you must rip the shirt open yeah, to, to show, show the bullets 
stuck, stuck in the in bulletproof there, yeah, vest. Like, yeah. it's not enough just to go, yeah, I'm wearing a bulletproof yeah. vest. <laughs> You've actually got you to know, rip it open and, Show like, it's it. always a, oh, oh, grip. Oh, oh. Yeah. It's like a relief. Yeah. Oh, you can see. Oh, it's just oh thank God I did some. Oh, look at that. And it, so that all of us can see, oh, it's a bulletproof vest. That's right. Um, and he says, I don't, I don't know if he says much, but then he's like, he pulls out the letter. Yeah, it's been and sticky tape. And it was sticky back tape back together. Um, and he says, what about all that time <laughs> continuum theory and upsetting the balance? And he's like, eh. Yeah, decide to risk it. <laughs> decide to risk it for this. Uh, <laughs> which was funny. Um, it says everything about Doc. Uh, anyway, so then they, they're kind of, you know, they're back at Marty's place and he's saying that he's going to go, Doc is going to go 30 years into the future mm. um, and see, you know, he wants to see what that would be like. And um, he he does. He takes off and he goes off really him. rapidly that time just disappears down the road. Yes, uh, there was no real run up. <laughs> and, just, and Marty and Marty goes into oh, the family of, home. Well, we sort of cut then to Marty waking up. That's right. In his clothes in that Huey, same awkward. Huey Lewis is playing. Yeah, in that awkward uh, pose, and he yeah. walks past. He gets up and the house in the background is the Huey Lewis poster. Yeah. With yeah. Sports, I think, is the name of the album. Yeah. Anyway, he walks out to the living room, and the house is just a just a bit different, mm. a bit more polished. He stops uh, and has a, a little look. bit more open. The living room is like a nice furniture. Yeah. yeah. And then his brother and sister. His brother's like in a suit, and his sister's sort of done up a bit. Yeah, sister's a bit talking about the multiple guys that she's kind of yeah, like uh, friends with dating. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really know the situation, but clearly she's popular. Yeah. And the brother's like, he questions the brother, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm a financial I broker. always wear the suit into the office. Yeah, it's the office, yeah, yeah. So he's like, mm, and he's like, mm, mm, yeah. And then um, George and Lorraine come in. And George they look different. Cool. George is cool. 80s cool. Big, 80s glasses. Cool. Big glasses. He's got the 80s. The, um, he's got the hair. Miami Vice sort of he does. Shirt, uh, yeah. blazer on. God and... knows where they'd just been at that time in the morning I, as well. I got like, a feeling they Playing golf. Okay. Right. Or something yeah, or tennis. Yeah. They yeah. said something about, oh, you didn't get that shot. And, Laura, and, he's, and Marty actually says, oh, mum, you look thin. And she does. She looks thinner and yeah. she looks younger and fresher. And she's like, oh, thanks. You know, well, it was interesting because earlier in the film, uh, Doc said, you've got to get them together. What do they like doing together? And he says, oh, nothing. Yeah. But here we clearly see them. They're coming back having played, let's say, golf. Yeah. I think it was golf. Playing so golf together and together. they've been enjoying it and they're talking like friends would yeah, talk yeah. as opposed to what they were talking like before, which is just like two people in the same room with kids yeah. as opposed to, you know, like like every parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everyone sort of talks to each other. They don't talk like this. Anyway, and then Marty, question, they ask him about going up to the lake, which was the plan with Jennifer. Yeah. And he's like, well, the car's crashed and they freak out a bit. Uh, you know, George freaks out. He's like, oh. Well, come out and have a look. And Biff is buffering the car. Biff is there's, buffing the car. Yeah. And um, he's got a, and there's a car there behind it saying Biff's cleaning or something, yeah. mobile cleaning or something. And he, he actually knows, says he to him. He knows a thing or two about car cleaning. Yeah. He says, he says, he says to him, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't short me on a second wax this time. Yeah, no, I'm like, already on the second wax, uh, sir or George or whatever. And uh, he goes, yeah. 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 Oh, okay, yeah. I'm going to start the second one again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's definitely a power and, and play. And all right meek and yeah. trying to feel yeah. pleasing. And and after they come back inside, um, I, I think he says to Marty, 
oh yeah, we were in high school together or something. You know, like he mm. just kind of shrugs it off. And then Biff comes running. Oh, you got a package. You got a package. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I don't know. Come on. I mean, he's obviously like the bullying has been turned on its head. You almost think he'd be like, oh, here's your package. You know, yeah. uh, but he doesn't. He comes in all excited. It's your book. It's your book. They rip it open and it's a science fiction book that he's, that the, he's written. The, and on the cover is clearly someone in a yellow suit, much like Marty had. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what um, was it called? It's like called Star-Crossed Lovers or yeah, Brought Together by Space or something funny. Something like, like that. And he says, see, you can do anything. He says the same line that mm. Marty had said to him. Yeah. Um, which is like, you can do anything that you put your mind to. Yeah. And he's confused. And then... Um, and then they're like, well, if, you know, your truck. And then Biff says to him, well, yeah, I've already done your truck. Yeah. And this is, you know, the Tonka truck of the 80s yeah. for boys. You know, yeah, like, Toyota Highlights. Yeah, and they go out and like open up the uh, garage. It, it was interesting. There's a real big Toyota ad at the start. Yeah. 1985 year model Toyota. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. we see the, the black Toyota. Yeah, at the end. Past, yeah. So they, he's, and he's like, well, oh, right. And then Jennifer rocks up um, and she's all happy and going up to the lake and blah, blah, blah. And um, so we're gonna we're gonna do that, and then Doc flies into the uh, driveway, gets out. He's in a hurry again. See this idea of being yes. in a hurry. Uh, Marty, 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 you gotta come to the future. And he's like lifts up the ro- rubbish bin. What happens starts, to me? It's not starts, you. It's your kids. It's your kids. <laughs> and, and we're gonna go to the future because your kids need help. And he, he's stuffing like a banana peel and a yep. Coke can, or yeah, Pepsi. Yeah, and then he drops it. Drops yeah. the whole thing in um, and banana peels and rubbish and all that sort of stuff and then hops back in and he's like, what about Jennifer? Oh, she can come too, you know? Um, and they get in and they drive down and Marty says to him the great line. He goes, uh, Doc, we need more road. Yeah. And Doc says, where are we going? We don't need roads. And back in time, blasted out of the stereo by Huey Lewis and the news, and they fly off and disappear in, in you know, come towards us in a flash. Oh my God. Yeah. Was, Goosebumps. Like, that's great. And the Mr. Fusion at the end was a nice touch, a little yeah. prop for such a short period of time. Yeah. But it's, it has that look of like a, a Cambrook. Look, it looks like a home appliance. Yeah, it, like, does. it does. Clearly, in 30 years in the future, we've got. Fusion down to the point where it's just like a, a home appliance, like you'd get a blender down yeah. at the shops. And so that's what, and again, it makes so much sense for doctors. He's like, he would take something like that and put it on his car. You know? Well, it's it easier than so getting, much sense. Well, plutonium. you can't get plutonium at the corner's drugstore, no. so. No, that never, but you that can never get a Mr. Fusion. That's right. So that is the plot. And I mean, I've got, that's what I'm, I mean, I've got to say, like, that end bit is just like goosebumps. Like, it's just like, oh my goodness. And, and that's know? the end that made everyone demand a sequel. Yeah. It's just everyone's like, what What happens with his kids? Yeah. Because uh, they weren't. They, the sequel wasn't created. No. The, the movie was just supposed to end with that, just kind of a bit of fun. Yeah, a bit of a hook, you know? Yeah. That it would be never... I mean, this is this is the thing, isn't it? If you start messing with time, you can try time travel. The conundrum, really, sorry, is do you ever stop? Yeah, where do you stop? Where now? do you stop? Like, when, when and where do you stop? Because, really, human nature is always about change and movement and evolution you can't stop you couldn't stop could you no you'd never be happy there's an interesting isaac asimov story about that it's oh geez i can't remember what it's called something like the the, the something or other at the end of time 
the, the storyline for that is there's uh, at some point in human history, humans discovered a way of stepping into this other dimension, which is parallel to ours and runs through our time. And they basically have like an elevator, which runs up and down this time shaft. Mm, yeah. Uh, and if you head down, you go into a past, head up, you go into a future. And there's, there's people who are tasked, like a public service are tasked with... Um, keeping humanity within some set gap boundaries because they found that if you let humans go without modification they reach sort of a, an unstable point and they go extreme and they, they wipe themselves out yeah or they wipe something else out or you know there's some catastrophe so these people are basically as a public service to humanity travels through time and they just do little nudges here and there and they've yeah. got these people who calculate where to do this little nudges here and there just to keep humans within guidelines so nothing too extreme happens the interesting occurs when, and this is what you're saying, is they've discovered yeah. time travel. Where do they stop? They, can, yeah. they find that they are morally obliged to make sure that humans never get too, too out, of, out, of out of balance. Whack. Yeah. The thing is that they find that there's a, this guy tries to head up upstream really far into the future because uh, he's, he's not supposed to have a... He's fallen in love with one of these people and you're not supposed to. So yeah. what they'll do is like, we're going to meet way off in a different time where it won't matter. But there's a cap, and he can't get past a certain year. What he discovers, of course, is that the people somewhere beyond that year have actually put a cap to stop them from coming and interfering. Because what they found was that humanity, in order to grow, actually needs the wild swings and extremes. And their timeline, they capped it far enough downstream from them that there was enough time that humans nearly got wiped out, they came back, they did all sorts of amazing things. But... They believe they've got a better life. So yeah. below this year, time traveling humans messing about. Above that year, they can't. Yeah, like they they put like a little cap on the time travel. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's just an interesting thing you just remind it me is. of. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, in that movie, In Time, which is a romantic comedy time travel. Oh yeah, um, I like that one. Yeah, it? I like that one. But again, like that, you know, he does that because he can time travel. It's just a personal ability yeah. of Janine, but know, it's, it's he does explained. that. It's just that no. the men in that family The men can in do the that. family have it, which is nice, and but so they can do it just instantly. But, like, so that's the thing, like, when he's falling, when he's trying to fall in love, uh, you know, with the with the female character, he's he does that. He repeats the same thing to try to make it more perfect. And that's what I mean. Like, yeah. when would you stop to, if you could time travel, you would kind of probably keep doing things to make them perfect. And yeah. I think as humans, it would... Yeah, it would send you around. Well, you got those because how many times you have that situation where you go, in hindsight, you look and go, that was, yeah, an opportunity to have done something much better. Yeah. So you go back and even little things like you know you've probably had it with your wife or kids and you're just like oh damn it I probably shouldn't have said that or I should have said this or I wish I'd remember oh crap if only I'd said that this would have been a totally different night you know like I've really spun this on a different direction you know and so if you had that ability to go into the cupboard and shut the cupboard door and go back a couple of hours you just would but what would be the endless loop of that you know so I mean that's why in that movie in time you know the rule that you discover during the film is once a kid is born, you can't go back because otherwise yeah. a kid changes. You get a different child. You get a get different child, which is nice. So it's a nice rule. So, I mean, the viewing, we've talked a bit about the viewing experience. I mean, this film, like, I mean, here in Australia, it was probably on Channel 10 movie premiere Sunday night, five yeah, or six years I'm, in a I'm row. I'm trying to remember like, when I watched it. I, I, I saw it so many times on TV. I, I don't think I, I'd never saw it at the movies because 1985, I was only a few years old. 
but um, I definitely like that's what I mean like once you get to about 1990 I think this was on TV oh, at least a couple of times a year this movie yeah, you know like for sure I, I certainly we were it. so limited in Australia with how much releases of movies were on TV and I, I don't know if you remember but there was a long period of time there that Sunday night they used to do premieres and quite often what they would do is like it would premiere on channel 10 one year, and then it'd be a premiere on Channel 9, like, the next year. <laughs> and they would flip movies, obviously, and they, it was something to do with the rights or whatever. But, I mean, I saw this movie time and time again. Like, I saw it so many times as a I kid. suspect I saw it when I was in Canada in 85. Right. Uh, not at the cinemas, but I'm trying to think of how I could have done that because we didn't have a VCR. Mm. Was it, like, in the hotel I, thing or something? Did I just go to the neighbour's house? <clears throat> neighbours are sort of... Napoleon Dynamite-esque 21-year-old guy. <laughs> Did he have some sort of a legal copy before the internet, you know? I don't know. I, like, I really cannot remember the first time I watched this, but I've certainly, yes, watched it like 87, 88 here in Australia. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, watch it with the parents on TV or something. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, like, I probably saw it that half, half a dozen or even more times on TV here. And then... Um, and then when I was sort of like 25, something like that, getting the DVDs and just kind of like, you know, if you had a crappy day, I'd sort of put it on. You know, it was one of those movies like for me that I just, I found I'd always go back to. Because mm. I think, and I think that's the thing watching it. This, and I haven't now watched it for quite some time, like probably 10 years now. But I did watch it quite a bit. You know, it was one of those like, oh, you know, you're hungover. And you kind of lying on the couch, you just sort of put it yeah, on. Yeah, like I watch this a lot. I got, know, I got like, a real feeling watching this on the train. I was, I was wondering, am I going to be bored because no, I've seen it so many times, yeah. or not? And actually, no. no it's, yeah. it, it's quite an interesting. Yeah, like the pace, as you said, that everyone's always moving. There's always stuff going on, and I was, I was able to pay more attention to the way the story was written. Yeah, me too. And and it uh, enchanted me with the way everything wrapped back around to itself. Yeah. And if I was, I was going to talk about um, reading up some of the history of the writing of this film, mm. the original time machine that they were going to use was going to be a room. Yeah. With like lasers and, and electric, you know, Tesla coil type yeah. things. Yeah, You try and think of that, but they realised that it just that wasn't very interesting. And the, they also said in that, that back to uh, the future behind the scenes stuff, they said... That they said that, and they also said that. And then they thought, well, it should be movable, and that they had an idea it should be a fridge. Yeah, it was going to be a fridge and a nuclear explosion. Yeah, which is oddly enough what Indiana Jones did or something. Yeah, funny. yeah. So, so it was going to be a fridge, and then they 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 were working off the they had the working idea of a fridge, and then they thought that, well, wouldn't it make sense to have a vehicle? Like, if you went back in time or in the future, like having a vehicle that then you can move around in that mm. timing would make a lot of sense. I think I think they so, also didn't want kids jumping in fridges, yeah. like playing in fridges, basically. <laughs> Probably doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No. So, yeah, it is funny, that evolution of the idea of, like, the machine, you know? Yeah, it um, makes so much sense to have it as a car. It does. Because, it does. first of all, from a budget point of view, it's you don't car. have to invent anything like a new no. flying thing or anything. No. You just no. literally just get a car. Yeah. And, and that they joked about that, that, like, you know, that line that the doc says... Oh, you know, I, I thought we might as well be in style. We might, yeah. you know, we might as well do it in style. Um, like, why the DeLorean? Oh, we might as well do it in style. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like that was them kind of saying, 
Well, we just sort of decided to choose a car. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, it we could don't have been, really know. Like, could have been anything. Could have been anything. Uh, we were thinking of fridge for a while. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I thought was interesting, they were originally going to have the return from 1955 powered by a nuclear test blast. Yeah, so yeah. in the 50s, they were doing their yep. test drop bombs. And I, I can't even... But they, they didn't have the, the budget for the locations and things. Mm. And I can't even imagine how that movie would go. Like, no. Because no. having the lightning hit the clock tower and that whole scene, it kept everything confined within that little town. And everything was very circular. You know, the characters yep. repeated and were referenced. And you built this whole little world up, mm. which is very self-contained. But yeah. How would you have had them go out to a test a nuclear test range well in or, the, they oh, again they talked about that that as an example of something that changed in the script and they had the script like that was in the script was the nuclear explosion mm. so they, they were going to make it that marty uh to get that power to go back from 1955 would be somehow conjured from a nuclear explosion and they were saying well yeah, there was justification because yeah there was nuclear tests but it wouldn't be in this town so he would have had to, which in the script they made it, like he'd leave the town and go off to this like desert location yeah. to get it. And so they said, yeah, that was the original in, in our case, you know, the, of the script. And then it was like when they came up with the idea of lightning, they were like, oh, it makes so much more sense. Yes. And Bob Gale said, he goes, sometimes with scripts or stories, you wake up and you have a good idea. And then a week later you go, that's a terrible idea. And then other times you go, you wake up and you go, that's a good idea. And a week later you go, oh, but this is kind of even better. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's like, that was one of those examples that that was a bad idea because once we thought of lightning, it made, we could contain it to the town. Yeah. He didn't have to leave the town. It made more sense. It centered around, you know, the clock could work because apparently they had the clock in the beginning but obviously it wouldn't be a, as a strong yeah. connection at the end that the clock it's actually sent them probably back. Probably more just know? like a, a reference to a time A reference travel. to time, yeah, you know, like a broken clock, you know, yeah. and it got lightning, got hit, you know, so they said it made so much more sense and then visually it, it made so much more sense rather yeah, than this... Far more exciting than the yeah. lightning blast. Also, yeah, yeah so keeping it contained, keeping the, the characters still involved because yeah. you could have Doc Brown struggling to get yeah, that thing. that's right. Whereas it was a nuclear blast, like, uh, I don't You're know. Like, All right, go off and get the nuclear blast, like... Yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of. So, so it's it's they came to these, their senses and they made the. Yeah, you know, I mean it was partially budgetary. They, yeah, they couldn't afford the location, so they had to come up with something new. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty good. It is good, isn't it? So what about um, you know we have the latter results for the classics. Yeah, oh, I don't like actually putting these things there because because <laughs> then that's a hard one. Then I could do something like uh, was. Do I like Predator more than Alien? I know. Or do I like... I mean, 2001, it's it's very slow. I would never put it as the same type of thing as Back to the Future. Yeah. Like, it has... Its qualities are entirely yeah, yeah. enjoyable a different way. So how could you say one above the other? I know. It's, it, you can't really do it. So I... I, I Maybe we I, need to come up with a different bit for the classics. I have seen Back to the Future... A periodic table of More classics. than I've seen Alien... Similar to Predator mm. more than Space Odyssey. Mm. So that's probably why I'd put it. Back to the Future and Predator I've seen more often and therefore yeah. they will be at the top of the ladder than Alien and Space Odyssey because I've seen 2001 once. Yeah, that's a fair enough rationale. So that's, that's as good as I'm going to get. It's funny because when, even when I did this, it's like 
you think, like, I think, oh, geez, when we watched Predator, I was so like, ah, <laughs> like it really like blew my mind mm. how tight it was and how clever the story was and everything. And also like remembering watching it as a kid and watching it now. Um, and I mean, again, like I agree, you can't really compare these classic films. It's really hard to put them as a comparison, yeah. you know, cause they're just so different and they mean different things as well. Um, but I am, I mean, yeah, if we're going to do it, I'm going with the 2001 Space Odyssey first, then Back to the Future, then The Predator, then The Alien. But then I think about it, I go, well, The Alien's so good. So I don't know. It's wonderful. It's and one day I'll, They're all wonderful movies. One day I'm going to take a stab at writing a, a screenplay of some sort. Yeah. And I will definitely be coming back to these classics and having a look to see the way Predator and Alien and Back to the Future mm-hmm. and, and Space Odyssey, what they all did. Yeah. Because that's just well worth. I, I reckon if you basically copied Predator and changed it around, just just change some of the bits, you'd probably still have a good movie. Yeah, you would. You okay, would. best scene, worst scene. Guitar scene. The guitar scene. Yeah, I remember <laughs> as a kid that, that was just like it was mind awesome. blowing. Yeah. Yeah, as a kid, I remember like it was a bit creepy and at the same time like tense and. But all cool, like really cool, you know. Yeah. Like this is a really cool scene. Um, yeah, I love the guitar scene. Both, both him in the hand disappearing, and then him doing the Chuck Berry song. Like I loved all that as a kid. Yeah, I, I remember cheering a bit. Yeah, when he does the break, but when he broke out into the eighties, yeah. uh, the hair metal stuff. Yep. Uh, and I, I've got to say, the skateboard chase. Yeah. I remember as a kid watching that, going, yeah. Yeah, because it was just it was just so cool. It was, it was so yeah. on point for the time. Yeah, and because yeah, I, I gotta say, I think I watched this around that eighty seven, eighty eight. So there was that time where street skating was just starting yeah. to to show, and people were were doing tricks. Yeah, and and of course we didn't have the internet then, so it's only what you saw little snippets here and there on yeah. the news where they'd yeah. go and. Someone or other has done this. You know, here's yeah. a short film. Like you'd see it on ABC or SBS. Yeah, it'd be like a, a short film of skating. I, I, yeah. My wife would know the names of the people who did these things. I, I can't think of them now, but yeah. And they're doing these tricks, which nowadays every person yeah, skateboard yeah. does. But at the time, it was like shooting along and they jump up onto a handrail and gr- do a, a, a rail grind. You sort of go, oh, how did they do that? It's so awesome. You know, like. So yeah, the whole skateboarding scene was just kind of like uh, it was it was a perfectly timed. And as it's turned out, because sometimes these sorts of uh, sequences date uh, where the whatever it is goes a bit out of fashion, like rollerblades, for example. Any any film made in the nineties which featured a rollerblade chase yeah. scene, <laughs> now you're kind of going. It's a bit cringy. Ooh. Can be very cringy, can't but it? skateboarding has come back. It has. I mean, it never yeah. really went away too much, but it's sort of it's come back a bit now with the X Games, yeah. and you know we're getting skate parks are being done up and, and revitalized. Yeah, and uh, I think it's because the people who were into skating in the eighties and the nineties are now grown up and have kids. Mm. In the same situation as my wife and I. Yeah, we're skating now because yeah, we sort of liked it when we were younger. But now we can afford to buy skateboards because you yeah. have three hundred bucks for a skateboard. You're like, what? Yeah, kids can't afford that. But you know, I can do that for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. And 
we, we want our kids to be introduced to this as well. So I think that's why it's come back. But yeah, that's just a great scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I love that. So, I mean, that's what we said before with the plot. Like when he jumps over the car, you know, like, and then lands back on the skateboard. <laughs> that's the cool Because it, it could have right. just been, you know, he runs over the car and jumps and lands in the bushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, he lands, he lands on the skateboard the and yeah. then yeah. slides yeah. to a stop. <laughs> There's a lot of like those cool moments in this few, in this film. Like, you know, even at way back to the start, the fact that he like rushes to school, like he puts the Walkman on and puts the skate and then like clings to the back of a truck. Like, yeah. you know, like, there's these little moments in this film. And as I said, it's some of those things with Doc, you know, the way Doc kind of reacts to things. Like there's a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like real cool little moments in this film. Yeah. So they're great scenes. What about the science? What do you want to pick on? Oh, geez, I don't know. I, I've, well, a couple of things. One, gigawatt, that's actually is an acceptable pronunciation of gigawatt. Okay. And it was pronounced gigawatt because their science advisor pronounced it gigawatt. Right. So you see they're going here, 1.21 gigawatts, and then Marty says, what the hell's a gigawatt? <laughs> and we're all thinking, yeah, what is a gigawatt? Like, what is it? Sounds big, but... But the science advisor, that's how he pronounced it. Right. And evidently it's an alternate pronunciation and is accepted in, you know, you go look it up in the dictionary yeah. for gigawatt. And lightning bolts average about 10 gigawatts, sometimes right. up to 500 terawatts, which is like, you know, uh, 500,000 times more powerful. Mm. But yeah, so 1.21 gigawatts from a lightning bolt. About Would be reasonable. Right. Yep. Uh, the problem with lightning bolts, of course, and maybe this isn't a problem for the time travel thing, is they have so much power because it's voltage... Uh, released over such a very short, like milliseconds. Yeah. The ag- the actual amount of current flow is quite small. Uh, you'd be able to power a light globe for twenty minutes or something. You know, like an hour yeah. or something. It's this not a lot there. Yep. There's just a huge voltage. Voltage being the um, potential energy. So because you've got you're going to have enough energy to basically jump from a cloud to the Earth mm. or very close to the Earth, and that's that could be kilometers. Yep. So to get a, a light electricity to arc across te- kilometers, you, you need stupendous amounts of potential. Uh, so, something along the lines of 10,000 volts per centimeter. Right. Wow. So, you know, your um, taser, they say 50,000 volts or 20,000 volts, and you get little sparks between the little yeah. probes. That's because that, that's, the distance is maybe tw- two, three centimeters. So, yeah, you need about 20 or 30,000 volts to get a spark. Yep. So you can imagine if it's a kilometer, yeah, you've got huge power buildup. Yeah. Uh, and there's a company that actually put forward the idea of harnessing that for power generation. And they had a small-scale model, which worked to light a little light globe using um, simulation. And they tried to scale up. They couldn't get it to work. But the guy uh, or the company behind it sort of said, well, the problem is scaling it. Mm economically yeah it's not magic or anything it's just maths and science you get enough of these towers spread out and you use a um you know the right materials like graphite and things which tend to get a whole positive charge well yep and yeah you'll be able to capture lightning bolts you know you need a a big enough capacitor to store it because lightning bolts as it discharge very quickly and uh you need to be able to store that power to release it slowly Mm. which means you need these massive supercapacitors. But he said basically that it costs so much 
when they were scaling it, it's going to cost so much money to have very you would have been better off just I don't know putting up a windmill <laughs> you know it's a storm yeah. you've got a lot of wind yeah. put up some windmills yeah uh, so yeah that, 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 I thought that was pretty interesting because I always yeah, wondered about that um, the DeLorean car itself very interesting yeah because it was somewhat revolutionary and, it had, and rather striking it had a whole pressed stainless steel body panels that were unpainted so the idea was you could just press out these panels relatively cheaply and then you didn't have to finish them. Yep. So there was no <clears throat> rust retardant you had to put on there, no painting you had to do, uh, no other polishing or finish, just press plate, stick on the car and they screwed on. So his idea was that if you damaged your car, you didn't bother taking to a panel beater, you just, just pulled the panel off and put a new one on yeah. and then recycled the panel. Because you just take that stainless steel and chuck it in the furnace and start again. Re- resmelt it, basically. Uh, so he's so DeLorean is his name. The guy, his theory was that the long-term uh, maintenance cost of this car would be low because it was made from a fiberglass shell over a stainless steel backbone mm. with stainless steel panels. Like yep. it wouldn't. And in the eighties was the classic time for rusted cars. Yep. Uh, they they didn't have the same sort of materials and paints we have now. Yep. And so at the time, yeah, the idea is basically, and so in fact, there's still a few thousand DeLoreans left because they don't rust. There's no spare parts. So if you ding a panel, you kind of have trouble. Although there is a company now in Humboldt, Texas, who bought the name DeLorean oh, Motor Company. Yeah, yeah. And they're making replicas <clears throat> and uh, new old parts, as they call them, you know, replicas. So yeah, you now can actually get your DeLorean repaired, which. It's nice. Yeah, very nice. Uh, and it's because, again, people in our sort of age bracket have fond memories of that movie, yeah. basically. Yeah, the movie does it. So they're getting these replicas built, which actually have sort of modern electronics in them so they don't yeah. you know, mess up all the time. But they're the genuine article. Yeah. I know Matthew Riley, you know, that Australian fictional author. He's written a whole bunch of books, really big time fantasy books mm. uh, and I remember he has he has a DeLorean <laughs> but he's got the money to like yeah you know, I've got to say I wonder would I like because it's, it's a nowadays it's kind of an ugly car but in yeah. the 80s that it was, was so what cool. cars got. and I remember the, the gull wing doors alone yeah. make it a cool car they do they you do. can put gull wings on any car yeah and, and it's cool make it cool yeah. yeah so that was that was great I, th- I saw that Robert Zemeckis said like him and Bombgale, they wanted to focus on the HG Wells, the time machine, and the theory that they want they want they were like plenty of time uh, travel works off traveling through time and space, mm. but they wanted in this idea just to to really hyper focus on the concept of time travel, like it's only through time. Mm. So you know, if if you go from Perth, you're in Perth, like you can't travel Perth to London. And also thirty years back in time. Yeah, you know. So they wanted to really focus, and they they the, they talked a lot about the time machine being that that was a real, you know, inspiration for them. That it wasn't about going through space at the same time. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. no TARDIS, and well, yeah. that also allows you to have that. It's your personal timeline. You're yeah, dealing with, that's right. Yeah, which which brings relevance because it does. One of the things, say Doctor Who, where he's, he travels about, that's why he has his assistant. Yeah, the assistant is the thing that brings that human touch, that that's personal right. element. There's yeah. always personal stories about that assistant. That's right. Because Doctor Who is just 
everywhere and been everywhere at all times. Yeah. So he has no. He becomes godlike. Yeah. No. He, no person. No yeah. person. No personal story in that yeah. sense. And no stakes can't be raised. But yeah. If so. I was if I was going to make a, a time movie, and most time movies do end up this way, they they do sort of stick to a person's timeline. Yeah. Like that's sort of the yeah. relevance of the time travel. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's yeah. It's good. So. Uh, let's talk about some filmmaking because there's some really great shots here. There's one I quite liked. I don't know if you lo- you notice it, but there's a lot of camera movement here, which is only just sort of really getting into it in the 80s. Yep. He comes up to the Doc Brown's door and he knocks and then he sort of walks away and the camera zooms in with him and then it dollies back as he walks back and it's really sort of... We're coming and going from this door with, with, with uh, Marty. Yeah, and I was, I was really paying attention to that, thinking, you know, remembering like say Goonies about the same sort of time. Yeah, yeah. Had and much more like Indiana Jones, and much stuff. more still camera in Goonies yeah. with a little bit of movement, but in this it was just constantly moving. If chasing yeah. him on the skateboard, yeah. coming in for close-up shots of the wheels, zooming back out again. Yeah, it was, uh, there would have been quite a camera. Rig to, yeah, to yeah. shoot that around. No, no drone shots. No, there's no drone back in the eighties. Like you said, it dollying really, dollying and tracking mm. is what's going on there. Which definitely see sixties, seventies. We sort of had those zoom in, zoom outs, and they're just so out of fashion now. Yeah. And I think in the eighties, it probably went from zoom in, zoom outs to the dollying and the tracking more. So more the whole camera moves with it, as you said. Like we. We come in with Marty, we go back with Marty, that kind of stuff. Um, I must admit, like me looking at this film, like camera-wise, I thought, well, there's nothing arty-farty and there's no sort of special cinematography too, too, too much going on. But what I really noticed overall was they created a universe. They created this world. Mm. like, And that was done through not only the camera, but it's like the camera, the mise-en-scene, the editing, the sound, like it was, they made it this town, you know, they made it Marty's universe. And I think also by, like, by repeating and showing reflections, yeah. the path he takes to school takes him the in same. through and around past the aerobics center, yeah. which yeah. then later on he's coming the exact same way in. It's the same path. And except now you see it's, it's got like the... Uh, service station with the full service, they'll come mm. out like a pit stop. Yeah, that's right. And the 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 milk bar, which yeah. used to be the aerobic center, you know, like yeah. So you get the feeling like you already know. You almost yourself yeah. go, oh yeah, and that was the aerobic center. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and that was like it's your own town. It is, it is, and and I think they did that. And extension to that, like I completely agree with that. But even like George's place, they they you're right. Like the tracking, like George and Marty when they're discussing that plan. It kind of tracks backwards and it's this really big old 1950s, you know, like we would say quarter acre block in mm. Australia, but it's, you know, whatever they called it in America at the time. But it's this really big, but it kind of comes back around the back of the house and they're doing the washing and you see the back of the house. Same when, um, you know, George is, you know, uh, bird watching and, uh, you know, falls on the street and then he's, Marty's put in the way that that house is portrayed. And, you know, like we're constantly in this world of, of Back to the Future. And they really created the universe. And like another little trick with the sound, like I keep saying Huey in the News. Well, the thing is, actually the songs of Huey in the, uh, um, the Power of Love, it's 
in Marty's headphones, but then Marty plays it, but then it's also outside of the world of the world. And that's what we, we there's the difference between non-diegetic sound and diegetic sound. Yeah. But when you think about that from a, like, you know, as an audience member, you don't really notice because it's just really subtle. But when you're watching it like we are to analyse, it's like, well, that's playing with the reality of it all, isn't it? Because it's, the character can hear it in that moment. The character plays it in another moment. But then in another moment, he's not hearing it. It's it's outside the world that he is in. Mm. And And this is what I mean by the universe. Like they kind of... It wasn't just the camera did it, the sound did it, the way they kind of shot it and the plot points did it, you know. And, and as you said, like the repetition of the same moments did it, you know, and they, as a bit of a joke that they were in these same moments in time, you know. Um, and they, they, I mean, we, you and I know in the sequels, they, they repeat that again, you know, the same things happen time and time again with the same characters, you know, which is quite funny, but it's... It's uh, yeah. I just really think that Zemeckis has created a universe through film language, and, but it's not as simple as just the camera. It's it's everything. You know, it's the plot, it's the editing, it's the sound, it's the camera, it's that repetition of scenes. And and as an audience, you're kind of sucked into it. But when you sit back and look at it, you're like, wow, that's quite clever. Like he's done a lot there. To and I think that's why it is like as you said before. I've seen this film a lot. Am I going to be bored watching this again? No, I'm actually drawn into it i saw new things like i noticed a couple of extra yeah, features there's always something else to notice again and I was, I was wondering this time about the relevance of the there's a newspaper clipping at the very start which talks about the um emmett brown house burning down yeah but there's no reference to that through the movie as far as i could tell no and i, no. Was, I was wondering yeah. well because he, he does doc does say uh, does he say this in 1985 or does he say it in... No, he says it in 1985. He says, he says I've got a... It's something about my inheritance. Yeah, I spent my entire family That's fortune. right, on this, on this invention, yeah. So, and then in 1955, he's in a different house, isn't he? Yeah, he's in a... He's got a mansion. It's like a mansion. In 85... He lives in basically well, it's like a garage or something. Yeah, a storage in an industri- a bit more industrial area, you know? Yeah, it's like, just sort of... Yeah, like because Marty comes out, it's a big barbed wire fence, some sort of a unit, yeah, uh, industrial yeah. unit or something, industrial yeah. unit, yeah. So, there's the difference, isn't there, between the two worlds, yeah, yeah. And he had a nice car, back yeah, in 55, yes, it was all that, that cream color, with yeah, the hood ornament, yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> but I was, yeah, so I was, yeah. I, was, I was keeping an eye out to see if that fire was anywhere in it, but it kind of it's not, but it's like not. it's a it's like it's in his timeline, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's part of his history. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is, um, just to pick on something really specific, is like, and we've kind of, we detailed it in the plot, but that final climax, you know, like of Marty and the DeLorean and uh, the doc, you know, plugging, like what we talked about, not the plugs not reaching and the lightning coming and having to fly and fox down and Marty not being able to start the car. And then, you know, that whole set, we call that parallel editing. So yeah. you've got like, one bit of action somewhere and you've got another bit of action elsewhere, but they all connect, it connects. Yeah. And so you cut from one to the other and you cut back, 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 you know, chop between the two. And this is probably one of those just like textbook perfect examples mm. of parallel editing because, and you are, you, you said it before, which is exactly what Zemeckis would have wanted. It's like, as an audience, we're like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> like, you know, like almost like that old attitude of, 
uh, going to the cinema and people like yelling at the screen, you know, like, you know, like, come on, come on, come on, cut a break, cut them a break, you know, and it's just one thing after another, not quite working, but the editing between what's going on over here, over here, but they connect. And as an audience, like the tension builds because you're waiting for them to, are they going to get there? You know, like, Mm. is it going to make it, you know? So there's, some films don't get to that point. This film does it. There was a recent film, not sci-fi the Ben Affleck um, Argo movie, yeah, uh, you know, about the Iranian hostage. And that does it really well at the end as well, where, you know, you've got the, they're trying to get out of the airport and it's sort of like one thing after another of them not kind of getting through the checkpoints. And then at the same time, back in America, they're kind of like, you know, the plan's being cancelled, we're not supporting his plan. And then it goes back and there's like, they get through a checkpoint at the airport and then it goes back to America, it's like, well, we've got to give them the tickets, you know, and Brian Cranston's running, we're going to get the tickets back on. They're like, so there's a good example of parallel mm. editing and the tension sort of ticks, ticks towards whether are they going to get on the plane and get out of the country, you know. And um, this is really the perfect example of parallel editing, you know, and it doesn't happen a lot. So it's really cool. And it's why you feel then when that works, you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. No, it's, it's climax. It, it does really well, the, the uh, you know, that, that, plot shape where you, you build up tension and then you get like a, a small you get a relief relief yeah victory and then there's oh no now it's worse yeah. and you get another <laughs> bit of a victory yeah. oh no, no it's really bad yeah uh, and then you finally get that large the, yeah. the trailing off like it doesn't because uh, yeah you got that um playing john to be good yeah i remember feeling because you feel so good then like you know yeah. yes they kissed he's okay and he's playing this cool song. He finally yeah. gets to play because he was afraid he was never going to get to play in front of people. That's right. Yeah. And he so got to play it. in front of people, and then he was like, "Yeah, your kids will love it," type of thing. Yeah. So you're feeling, "Yeah, that's really woohoo!" And then you get back to the series where you, there he starts. They still got to get back to the future. Getting that now. tension yeah. back up again, and then Zap lightning hits, and he ah, oh, and he comes. Yes, he's in 1985, and you're sort of seeing how crap it actually is there. Like with the mm. yeah, there's none of the the nice painting and the, and it's. Yeah. The Some of the stuff's closed like down. There's, there's the triple X cinema. There's a triple X cinema, cinema there yeah. instead of a normal one. And uh, sorry for anyone who owns a triple X cinema out there. <laughs> you're doing good work. I'm sure that's yeah. Pee Wee Herman would just come anyway. Yeah, and so you sort of get that. And then, but then it's his car won't start, so that starts tensioning up again. And he gets back to the. He has to run, and so you know he doesn't make it in time. Mm. And then you're going, did Doc die? And then you get that slow releases. No, he didn't die. He's it's back okay. home. He's improved life. And yeah. everything's going well. And then Doc comes back and goes, we've got to go. Gotta go. And <laughs> no, so it's a little, little uptick at the yeah, end there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's very well done. Sometimes people overdo it yeah. where there's too much of a release. And then yeah. you kind of don't care too much about the That's actual right. fi- final. Yeah. Or worse, there's not enough. And so it's like you get to the end, you go, I just sat through an hour and a half. Yeah. That was um, what's that? Mountain. Oh, cold mountain. I think uh, it was, so. It's like, yeah. Oh gosh, that. Yeah, that's a perfect example of I don't know. Twist, twist, right. twist, twist, and then... yeah. Like so, the main character is a dude separated from his wife due to the civil war in America, and so we do we're doing parallel stuff. So we're going yeah. what hardships and small victories his wife gets. So she's clearly leading a different life and then he's like you know just barely surviving and then he gets caught and he drags himself you know he, he, we watched two hours of him basically being dragged through hell 
uh, and, and you know, nearly dying and, and being crippled so many times. And his wife then, her living situation as he's spent longer and longer away at war and no word is getting worse and worse as like this, you know, she's going to have to marry the landowner or something or other who is just not being good. Yeah. And he finally gets home and you yes, but there's this little conference, this final confrontation with like this bad dude, like, and you're expecting it's going to be, it'll be tough, but you know, he'll, he'll win and they'll be back and it's all okay. No, he gets shot in the stomach. He dies slowly. And he just, at the end of the movie, I'm just like, so sorry if anyone hasn't watched that. Don't watch it. Terrible. I was just like, I just got, you know, my tension ratcheted up and, and my emotions screwed for two hours. So this guy dies slowly and painfully from a gut shot in the wilderness in his wife's arms who'd been waiting the whole time and her life is not any better. <laughs> and the only, the, the supposed happy ending, as it were, or the, the benefit you get is that for the short period that he did return, she got pregnant. So now she's pregnant alone on her own in this harsh will. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Turn so the screwdriver. That's, that's doing it too wrong. Yeah, there was yeah. no, there was no payoff at the end where you felt you could it breathe out. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing. You just, you just look back and you go, "It's two hours of my life I don't get back." Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. enjoy that in the slightest. So it's like no. it's terrible. But well, this the, movie, yeah. at the end. Yeah, you go, oh, that's actually really good. Yeah, and I mean, that does go to kind of like Robert McKee's, uh, you know, another expert like Blake Schneider, that idea that uh, he sort of says, like, you have a scene that at the start it goes from positive emotion to negative, and then the next scene should really go a negative to a positive. Yeah. And they back up to each other. Blake Schneider has always said, like, a scene should go positive, negative, or negative, positive, but it's a bit hard to always, like, do it scene after scene after scene, you know? But I think actually that when you were just saying all that, I was like, you know, Back to the Future does really do that. Like it does, like every scene is sort of like positive, negative, negative to positive. You know, there's a build up. There's either success for Marty or they're not success. You know, yeah. it's just constantly like, like that. Like George comes back and says, Darth Vader told me I have yeah, to ask so her I'm out. Yeah, I'm going to go do it. So and yes, then, okay. And, and then, like tells him what to do and it's like, yeah, we're going to have a win. And he goes up and then, and Biff, then Biff comes, comes and in. you go, ah. Yeah. But then that ends with Biff getting covered in manure. Yeah, and you so go, it's Whoo-hoo. positive. But then Lorraine is now more in love with him. Yeah. So it's negative. Yeah, so. And then he goes to Doc and Doc's got the, uh, you know, the crazy plan. But then Lorraine shows up and asks him to the dance. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh. so it's like constantly that positive to negative, positive yeah. to negative. Yeah. So it's really clever, isn't it? And that's a big technicality strength. This film is the plot. <clears throat> so if you are out there listening... Let us know what you thought about the plot of Back to the Future or any other and, filmic um And parts. any of your... Because uh, I know there's a lot of sort of... They call fan theories as we, we know them. Yep. About how various aspects of this, how Doc Brown actually knew to wear the bulletproof vest. And yeah. there's other sort of hints about what his actual history is because we, yes. we don't really know. We know his mansion got burnt down. Yep. Possibly. Yep, but we don't know. We don't really learn much more about And we that. don't really know how they met, but there's, I know that there are people who have ideas. The ideas, So get yeah. in touch. Get in touch. Let uh, us know. At, you can get us on, on Twitter or Instagram, which is uh, at Space Brains Pod on Twitter, at Space Brains Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. You can email um, spacebrains at net if you like. Sounds good. And, and I think I think we need to get Robert Zemeckis on the phone here. So yeah, let's get him on the I phone. I think let's try to get him on the phone. I'm going to try to get my people in touch with these people. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to go back in time and to 1985 or 1984 when they were developing this and work on the film set with him. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm doing. Well, that's keep, what I'm doing. Next time I watch the movie, I'll keep an eye out for you. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye. I'll, I'll be a, I'll be in that I'll be in that milk uh, bar having a good old time. Yeah, dancing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So that was episode twenty of Space Brains, and I believe what are we going to be looking uh, at for episode twenty one? Korean movie. Oh, okay. Okay. I was thinking about Demolition Man. Yeah, which we should do. Which we we, we, we will we'll do definitely do Demolition. Old Stallone is because I do like Demolition Man so. But yeah, let us know what you thought about the podcast as well. You know, hit us up if you have any questions or any feedback or any other ideas or films that you would like us to actually review. It would be great to hear from you and anything that you thought about Back to the Future, whether you agree with some of the background that we talked about, the plot, what did you think about the filmic elements, favourite scenes, any of those aspects that you can let us know about and for episode 21 hey, did you know that uh, on netflix is the host by uh, uh andrew nicole who did the last movie we did the uh, anon oh okay yeah. so right. so someone could watch it but that's not what i'm talking about okay we're not going to do that for no. episode 21 we're not doing the host just so you know uh-huh. we and so let us know about what you thought about back to the future podcast it's a oh no sorry it's a um it's another chinese one yeah awesome shanghai fortress Shanghai Fortress. Okay, sounds good. We did do the Wandering Earth back in, was it episode 14? Yeah, a couple of episodes back. <laughs> so this like Shanghai Fortress, it's mm. on Netflix. It's a 2019 movie. And Excellent. it's humans defending Earth against aliens. Nice. So that's that's what we know about it. We'll go in, Cold. positive minds. Yeah, positive minds. And analyse that goodness out of it. Yes, we will. A bit of hope punk for everyone out there. All right, thank you very much. Ciao. See ya.